Consequence Podcast Network. My friendship to all of you precludes my involvement with any one of you. But if you want to make love, then I do too. And I'll be right there behind you. Constant listeners, and welcome yet again to the Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast from Consequence of Sound. My name is Randall Claus Colburn, and today we are here to discuss Stephen King's Cycle of the Werewolf. We have a lot to discuss here, so let's go around and introduce ourselves. Who's sitting across from me? Uh, that would be Mackenzie Tarker's Mills Mc, uh, McGerber. <laughs> awful, awful. <laughs> that did not work. Uh, and how did you first encounter Cycle of the Werewolf? When did um, you first? You read know, it? I remember. So I saw the the adaptation, the film adaptation. Uh, obviously, I hadn't, I hadn't read any of these books uh, before. However, I do remember being really young and going through the Stephen King Island, looking at all the covers and things, and I noticed that this one was very different. And I opened it up, and I was excited to see all the drawings and. Um, I I don't know as as a little as a little boy, <laughs> you like you like your books with pictures. I like my books with pictures, and uh, <laughs> but it was it was something that definitely captured my attention because the uh, the artwork in this is amazing. You and went from Go Dog Go straight to Cycle of the Werewolf. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> nice one, one dog to another dog. dog. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, who's sitting next to you? That would be uh, Michael Rothman, uh, editor in chief of Consequence of Sound. You got no no cool nickname? Yeah. Oh, I guess we can call it with. Uh, Michael um, Steve Harrington, <laughs> Michael Steve Harrington, Rothman. Yeah, I like that, Michael Michael Mole. Who I like that? Yeah. Oh, my, uh, Michael Marauder. No, no. Marauder. I don't know. How did you? And when did you first read uh, Cycle of the Werewolf? Uh, two weeks ago. Uh, and how did you? Uh, did you ever know about it before then? I actually didn't really know about this one. I really? I hadn't even seen Silver Bullet. I'm not a huge werewolf fan. Yeah. Um, I you know I love. Oh, why are you on this podcast then? Because uh, it's a, it's one of the shorter <laughs> books, and uh, I'd want to hop on this one. So no. No, no, no. The truth be told, I um, I actually picked up this book last year in uh, on my visit to New Orleans for a wedding, and it just happened to be I hadn't seen it in any of my like trips to the bookstores mm-hmm. when I was looking for first editions last year, and uh, I remember texting all of you, and I was like, "What cycle of the werewolf? What the hell is this?" And you're like, "Oh no, no, you got to get that. That's good. Like that's it's hard to find actually yeah. mm-hmm. the the graphic novel." So I, I I think like over the summer I like looked through it and went through like you know the different like drawings and. And whatnot, but um, I had never really read it until I just sat down and actually like consumed it until a couple weeks ago. So, cool. Yeah. And who's sitting next to me? I'm Justin Full Moon Gerber. That's a good one. Well, I actually it's after Full Moon, the uh, the yeah. film company that has the Puppet Master. Films. Oh, Charles Band. Oh, Charles oh Band. yeah. Love, yeah, yeah. love those films. Puppet Master. Um, Randall, the first time I read Cycle of the Werewolf was I was probably in my early twenties. It's actually the same edition I read this time around. Um, it's the one. It's the Signet Special. It's the black cover with. The werewolf at the bottom, and the uh, the weird, what I'm assuming is the misspelling of Bernie Wrightson with no e. Have you noticed that? Everything yeah. else has got an e except for this. I don't know what the story is there. I did some research, couldn't find anything. Is there another version of this book? There is. It's oh, it's this, it's. I think the the animation's at the top, and it's a it's a different color. Oh, There's I also a that. silver bullet edition. Um, that's tied to the movie, ah. and oh. then with like the screenplay in it and stills from the film. Although I've not seen that version anywhere. The Signet version is what I also have. Yeah. Stumbled upon it in a bookstore mm. when we were actually buying prizes for Stephen King trivia a few weeks ago. It happened, just happened to be 
in uh, a bookstore, and it's it's hard to find, and it's usually pricey. And then I got this one for ten bucks. But yeah, there was a seventy five hundred versions that were released of the original nineteen eighty three version, which was a bit fancier. Mike's got some knowledge he wants to drop too. Yeah, according to the complete Stephen King universe, uh, which is a book that binds us all. Uh, it was, uh, they say that first released in a very limited edition by specialty publisher Land of Enchantment, Cycle of the Werewolf was later re-released in two different 1985 trade paperback editions, one of which tied into the published screenplay of the film version, retitled Silver Bullet, and is no longer available. And that is, again, why we are covering this book now and not later, because even though this is a limited edition, it till, still technically came out before pet cemetery yeah yeah this is where i think the timeline we're adopting and the timeline maybe others adopt in terms of king maybe starts to vary a little bit but we're gonna stand by the same thing happens with eyes of the dragon later too yeah so, but we'll get to that later yeah uh we're gonna stand by our timeline because we are the definitive timeline because we are the definitive stephen king podcast <laughs> we may not know it all but we're definitely the, the gauntlet the, the gauntlet was thrown oh, no uh, you know it. Yeah, so this book actually came about in, it, the seeds of it began in 1979. King was at the World Fantasy Convention, and he was approached by a guy from, I think it was like like Vista or something like that. Vista uh, Entertainment? It was something like that. But they wanted, they had the idea of pairing Stephen King with illustrator Bernie Wrightson to make a calendar. And it's kind of fun the way that that ended up informing the final product, but they were going to make a calendar with, you know, based on a werewolf story, 12 months, obviously, and each one would be 500 word story vignette written by King with uh, the illustrations of Bernie Wrightson, which I think is an awesome idea. Unsurprisingly, 500 words was not enough <laughs> for King, who we all know likes to, you know... Uh, right, really short. Go long a little bit. And I, also there was like publishing issues with like New American Books, who was King's publisher at the time, really wanted to release this calendar. So it was, you know, there was a lot of complicated stuff. So by turning it into sort of a novella with Bernie Wrightson, like taking the same thing, but then allowing there to be a, you know, actual narrative to be unfolding that King could really sink his teeth into, but also embrace sort of the limited word count like he was still sort of adhering to that to a degree as you can see in the finished product and some of these vignettes do feel like they were written for the calendar specifically which is part of what i think is really fun about it yeah so yeah so then like him and Wrightson teamed up and the final result was cycle of the werewolf as we see it and it, it's described by a lot of people i think as a sort of a collector's book a book for super fans because it's not an essential King story. It's not one of the most dynamic in terms of story. Honestly, I kind of really wish I could have seen it as a calendar because of my favorite parts of the book are the vignettes rather than the story. Yeah, I, I agree. I would like to have seen it as a calendar. And it's, it's funny because you had mentioned when we were walking around uh, Mac like through the snow filming the Christine short that one of the ideas that would have been cool for us to have done is do like a losers club calendar for that's kind of modeled similarly to the cycle of the werewolf. And I was like, Oh, that is a really cool idea. But at that point, I didn't know that this was supposed to be a calendar originally. So when I found that out, I was like, Oh, like I would actually, I wish we could have, we could actually get a calendar still from this. Like, you know, maybe it was, even if it, they just keep redoing it again and again each year. 
uh, it, I just think it would be like a cool thing to have for King fans. I'm surprised they never really did that even afterwards. Yeah. After the fact. Yeah. yeah. Which uh, leaves the door open for us to do it. And yeah, we will. Look out um, for that in 2019. <laughs> well, Bernie Wrightson's dead now, so we can do whatever we want with his artwork. And, um, <laughs> Didn't he pass yeah. somewhat recently? Yeah, yeah within the last yeah. year. Wow. Which means yeah. the lawyers are probably still scrambling to figure out what to do with all their illustrations. So we're we're gonna we're we're gonna create an official um, Stephen King cycle of the werewolf calendar that you're gonna be able to get. On, uh, <laughs> we're gonna go out there store. and we're gonna get the illustrations. An official we're, unsanctioned Stephen fi- King calendar. It's gonna be official, unofficial um, cycle of the werewolf losers club Stephen King uh, 2018 calendar that you'll be able to get in April. So you'll buy the full calendar. Miss the first four months, but you'll have the artwork. It'll be one of those like sixteen month calendars <laughs> yeah. that you know. Oh, I like bleeds this, yeah. into next year. Yeah, I like that idea. We're when gonna... I was a kid, I I liked my calendars that I had so much. I literally just kept reusing them, and then I would get confused because the days weren't the, the days same. Were not the same. <laughs> <laughs> I was a really smart kid. Who wants to read the synopsis? Justin, little Justo. Tell us what this is about. Randall, thank you. Terror began in January by the light of the full moon. The first scream came from the snowbound railway man who felt the fangs ripping at his throat. The next month, there was a scream of ecstatic agony from the woman attacked in her snug bedroom. Now scenes of unbelieving horror come each time the full moon shines on the isolated main town of Tarker Mills. No one knows who will be attacked next, but one thing is sure. When the moon grows fat, a paralyzing fear sweeps through Tarker Mills. For snarls to sound like human words can be heard whining through the wind. And all around are the footprints of a monster whose hunger... Cannot be sated. That is a really good synopsis. I agree. I like this. Yeah, of all the of all the synopses that we've been reading lately, that's actually pretty good. It's really good, and it teases what actually happens, and and it's yeah, and it's almost as long as some of the chapters. Yeah, that's very true. I have have a different one actually. Oh really? Yeah. Oh wait, your cover says Werewolf Cycle. (laughs) Werewolf Cycle. Yeah, it's actually (laughs) a hand-me-down book. Yeah, by Dean Koontz. By Dean Koontz. Yeah, it's actually a rare um, Um, unpublished manuscript that he had when Dean. I actually had the idea to do a calendar. He went ahead and did the calendar. I think Roy so. Disney did the animation. Moon Coons. Roy Disney. It was called Moon Coons. It was Moon Coons. Yeah. It's just, it's just <laughs> semi-nude photos of Dean Coons uh, yeah. uh, next to a calendar saying what month it is. Yeah. Well, semi-nude. Every month has a moon, so, um, you know. That's right. Wow. Only one moon, only one one moon, moon. per month. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. we know what the hook is for Moon Coons, but what would you say is the hook of Cycle of the Werewolf? Hmm. Yes. Don't you see? Don't you see how clear it all is? Not only can you see the future, you can... I can change it. You can change it exactly. Well, the hook of uh, Cycle the Werewolf, well, it's right there in the title. This is King's first foray into Werewolf. Singular. (laughs) Singular. (laughs) He went on to write more about werewolves in later books, especially The Talisman, which I'm currently reading. So it was kind of a cool little side journey I took into, you know, reading Cycle the Werewolf, which really only takes one or two sittings to to finish. Right. And um, it takes the talisman that many. uh, More like one or two years. (laughs) You sit down for six months. (laughs) Yeah. No, but it's, it's it was really neat to see the way that he approached werewolves in this book versus the way he does it in The Talisman, because in The Talisman, you know, without spoiling too much it's much more of a of a lore that is signature to that world mm-hmm. whereas the lore we're working with in cycle the werewolf is very indebted to classic werewolf lore you know full moon uh well, the werewolf comes out silver bullets can kill it etc etc it's true 
It's true. <laughs> you look, you look well, like you had a lot more you want yeah. to I say. Think that, I think that it challenges some of the some of the classic werewolf tropes, but we'll talk about that as we go into it. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, so basically, the story we have here, we got kind of the you know the the cocktail words of the synopsis, which very good, but they don't say much about what actually happens. I I like that version of it, like from the synopsis, where it's more about these little vignettes because I like it as a town. I like it as a story of a town being ravaged by a werewolf. Mm-hmm. What it becomes about halfway through is the story of a boy in a wheelchair fighting a werewolf which i think is sort of the point of contention uh because we are introduced to cycle the werewolf in it's one kind of book and then halfway through it mm-hmm. becomes a more standard stephen king story mm-hmm. which you know i think uh we'll discuss later whether or not that actually works but how what other like what stands out to you in terms of how he renders the werewolf here okay. i don't know i don't what do you mean werewolf talk about werewolves baby talk about those wolves uh, no, I actually I love I love this book and I love that it, he really illustrates <laughs> pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> well, Stephen King doesn't, but I think it's a really good illustration of from, from all accounts. And I just like how the I like the werewolves account with everybody. I like how everybody sees it and they see it through the different lens that in which you know they are in the town. Yeah, uh, which is really cool. Because sometimes it's just, you know, oh, a werewolf attacks so-and-so. But I, I like how everyone almost, or especially the, the woman uh, who gets attacked in, fe- yep. in February, yep. how she almost um, blatantly sees it and still convinces herself that it's not. Because she's so wrapped up in her own world and her own desperation. She, yeah, she has like a narrative and, and, in her head. And yeah. like she finds a way for this giant werewolf to fit into that narrative, right, which is right. really interesting. And it's like here's this thing that doesn't belong in this town. It doesn't belong in this, in the, in reality. Yeah. And, and even though, even when you're faced with it, you're still trying to grapple with, uh, and fit it into the real world. And I think, so I think in terms of werewolves being kind of like a convention used to, to be like, oh, here's the darkness inside of each person. Yeah. I think they do a really good job of illustrating that in this book. Yeah. (laughs) Again, in, in other werewolf stories, how do people become werewolves? That's like, the thing. I think of most of the time you're you're bitten by another werewolf. Yeah, I guess know? that's right, what I figured. Right. So what I, one of the things I love about Cycle of the Werewolf is that there's no reason given. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, you know, when we find out who the werewolf actually is, which is something I still wonder if we even needed to find out. Like, I had never read Cycle of the Werewolf before I read it this time. So there's that scene in the diner when um, uh, Alfie, I believe... He sees this customer come in and he mentions, oh, it's that customer. I I know him. And then that customer turns into the werewolf. I almost wish it was left at that because I just love the idea that there's a werewolf here, but we don't know who it is and we don't know why. We find out who it is, but the why still remains uh, ambiguous, which I think is one of the strongest parts of this story. Like right in the first chapter, it says uh, on page 14, something inhuman has come to Tarker's Mills as unseen as the full moon riding the night sky high above it is the werewolf and there is no more reason for its coming now than there would be for the arrival of cancer or a psychotic with murder on his mind or a killer tornado its time is now its place is here in this little main town where baked bean church suppers are a weekly event where small boys and girls still bring apples to their teachers where the nature outings of the senior citizens club are religiously reported in the weekly paper 
next week will there there will be news of a darker variety i have that exact passage written yeah. down too i love that passage. it's a great passage and i just love that it really sets up right from the get-go that this isn't a story about how the creation of a werewolf it's about the 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 havoc that a werewolf is going to wreak yeah and so when we do find out later uh, who the werewolf is, his only like he actually muses on the how he became this. Like, what was it that afflicted me with this? Mm-hmm. And I love that because his only thing that he can come up with is that he picks some flowers, I believe, yeah. at a funeral. Yeah. And they turn black in his hands. And that is his only uh, way of he kind of throws out there that maybe that's when it started. You know? Yeah, he, yeah, he says that yeah. because but it, it feels like I love that it. It's hard to like draw the line between uh, that and becoming a werewolf, but at the same time, like I love that we're watching somebody try to make sense of it, yeah. And that's the only thing they can draw upon. But at the same time, that is really weird. <laughs> like, but that's also why. Black in your hand. That's also why I think that I really, I really, I, I was with you at the beginning where you're like, oh, I don't know if I need to know who the werewolf is, but because I love that section so much, yeah. I, I hesitate on going too far into it because I know we have a, a, a fun construct of how we're going to attack this book. Um, yeah. So, but uh, I, I, I also have a, a little room two three seven on. Uh, well, save that maybe for on later that too. as well. Yeah, save it for later. I think there's also something to be said about the book being this medium for King to explore the seasons in a way that some of his favorite authors painted them on paper before yeah you know, like there's very like bradbury aesthetics to this like, oh i was you know, thinking that talking too. about like the seasons and the weather and the setting itself is sounds like something out of a david wayne thing but it's almost a character in itself like <laughs> yeah. they are like part of, it's such a part of the horror yeah but just the whole setting around like he, he he spends more time almost like setting up like the actual natural surroundings than he does the actual action of the story which is which probably goes into the idea that this is originally supposed to be just like the calendar, you know, mm-hmm. like you're supposed to it probably wants to talk about the weather so that you kind of have that feeling when you're looking at the calendar. I don't know, but it just, yeah, Bradbury was like a key word for me. Like, yeah. yeah. He really sure. leans think, into the discussion of the, of the weather and the surroundings and the, like just the way, it, the ways in which like, you know, the reflection on the water or like the, the way the ice, you know, lays out. There's so many like really evocative descriptions. He describes like the glistening, like the ice on a street is like like a dead bone at one point, which yeah. I loved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that as cliche as it is, uh, Tarker's Mills is a character in the book. Yeah. And I also think it's one of those one of those towns that he creates that they never go back to. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the only like other towns because like, i feel like so much happens in castle rock or you know even dairy i mean even well not a lot happens in dairy after it but well, that's what you think Tark- oh really <laughs> we'll save it for future book very uh, interesting episodes. well uh i think i know what you're talking about and i uh, can't wait to get there tarker's mills though is one of those towns that's is, is, is extremely fleshed out yeah by it, it just by the calendar year mm-hmm. and then and and going through the seasons and going so we get to see it in all of its forms and shapes uh, like we do with the werewolf. He also, to go back to Mike's point about being influenced by a novelist such as Ray Bradbury, he also dedicates the book to Davis Grubb. Davis Grubb wrote the novel The Night of the Hunter, in which the antagonist is a, a man at the cloth. Yeah, that's really interesting. So I think oh, yeah. that was definitely an influence on the character of um, of the Reverend here. One thing I wanted to do before we sort of move into our the way that we're going to break down this book and discuss it. We're not going to do our typical and we're going to touch on all the things we always touch on, but we're going to approach it a different way since 
it's a it has a strange structure it's a very unique different book in the king canon but i wanted to talk about the quotes at the beginning and maybe and kind of just ask like why do you guys think i think this is something that could be fun on the pod because he always has quotes you know before Mm -hmm. his books if maybe we just read them and asked ourselves why do we think he chose this quote for this book i just think could be kind of neat so the first quote he has here is in the stinking darkness under the barn he raised his shaggy head his yellow stupid eyes gleamed i hunger he whispered and that's from the wolf by harry ellender i have not read the wolf by henry ellender but what i get from this passage is that there's still some humanity in this werewolf Mm -hmm. vice versa a lot of times in werewolf stories the werewolf is the evil creature and when the werewolf becomes human again the human is either oblivious or a genuinely good person. Whereas here, if there's still a bit of human in there where he says, I hunger, then it stands to reason that he could still be corrupted as a man. He could still be a bad man as well. That's yeah. what I get from this passage. Interesting. I like the word stupid here, like yellow stupid eyes. Yeah. The stupid aspect really just makes me consider the idea that there is this this true distinction between the man and the wolf, like kind of what you're saying, Justin. And that that there is kind of, a, you know, when the wolf exists, it is to eat, you know, and there isn't there is a, a marked lack of humanity within the wolf. And like there is a certain amount of, you know, the human comprehension, empathy, emotion and all those things really drain out and the eyes become stupid. You know, that was kind of how I took it when I was really thinking about it. Did you guys have any other like interpretations or thoughts? Well, it's interesting because I'm looking at it now on, uh-huh. on Google and it appears that there is no Henry Ellender that somebody is actually this goes back to 2002 a year after 9-11 and they <laughs> the their user Vinland 31 wrote I have a question about Cycle of the Wolf specifically about the epigraph by Henry Ellender from his book poem whatever the wolf my question is who is Henry Ellender I've raided my university library as well as amazon.com good job uh, Vinland he's ahead of the game and I can f- <laughs> and I can't find I can't find anything published or pertaining to he- Mr. Ellender is he some sort of fictional character created by King? Can anybody help with this? And then literally that day, which is pretty amazing, a guy named Scoot, maybe Scoot McNary, Scoot. Uh, <laughs> he, wrote, he wrote, try to remember that Stephen King is not a documentarian or a historian. In spite of a couple of nonfiction works, one dealing with an overview of the history of horror, the other autobiography of his life as a writer, Stephen King is a writer of fiction. Granted, that doesn't answer his question, but I also can't seem to find anything Well, else you know, it's it. great. So, and it's- that's like... 15 years later or 16 years later. Wow. If that's if that's true and it is a, it is a well, I wouldn't say fictitious author, maybe it's um, a book only found in uh, the Breathing Methods uh, <laughs> cl- <laughs> the club <laughs> library in the club. It's, it's a book found it's, it's, in the it's territories. It's a parallel universe. That's really neat. That's such a weird little thing. Like if he yeah. really made that up or maybe it was like a friend of his that never was published or something. Who knows? That's true. Well, I, I can't click. I, there's a Henry T. Ellender... Oh, boy. It's the full text of The Wolf. It looks like it's a Louisiana text somewhere. So it may just be some something he read at some point like, that didn't get full publication. You know, it's a, it's a possibility. Like a local thing that he stumbled upon while visiting the, the, somewhere. Loyola University. It's possible it's in there. This is a very long webpage. Huh. But no, I, I did not know that. I didn't even think that the no, research. That's interesting. Oh, yeah. from Loyola, you said? Yeah. Interesting. It's a long thing. It might, it might just be a coincidence. I'm not sure. Well, as we look deeper into that, uh, the other quote here is a child's rhyme. It says, 30 days hath September, April, June, and November. All the rest but the second have 31. Rain and snow and jolly sun, and the moon grows fat in every one. 
I like this one because I think it just sort of it introduces the 12 month concept because mm-hmm. the way that this book is structured is, you know, 12 chapters, 12 months. Uh, obviously the moon and the moon is the lunar cycles are sort of what combine everything, the full moons. And King actually uh, owns up in the, in the little note at the very end. Do you yeah, want to talk that. about that? He's like, tee hee hee, just so you know, I might have changed some things because the full moon doesn't always occur on these holidays, etc. But I think honestly... It works for the story. It's yeah. so fun, and it's not you, something you, I think you about. accept it. I feel like if you're you thinking know? about that kind of stuff when you're reading, it's especially really, if it's called Cycle of the Werewolf, yeah. and it's, a, it's a tale up. and based in fiction. You're probably the kind of guy who begins a lot of sentences with the word "actually." You know what I mean? <laughs> It's just like, like, oh, my favorite. Well, actually, like, why yeah. are you doing that? Like, just enjoy it. But uh, yeah, I, I kind of like this this little rhyme. I just feel like it sort of, you know, introduces the concept, but also, uh, you know, the idea that the full moon is sort of what connects all of these chapters. And I mean, it also strikes me, though, as something that maybe was more like that was probably uh, a quote that he had in mind when he was working on the calendar. I think the calendar, there was probably the sense that each vignette would be about a different person and maybe people would pop up only occasionally and different Mm. little narratives Mm -hmm. like the idea that marty and you know the reverend and everything becoming more major characters is probably a later development is the vibe that i get like once it had been moved into a book and everything so yeah you know i do wonder i wish there was some sort of like manuscript or notes that we could read that yeah. could tell how this evolved because it is, it, yeah. I did, I did find it weird that all of a sudden it does pivot into an actual structured narrative. Yeah. And I also started to kind of picture what it would look like if you just had it straight text. Yeah. I mean, cause it's, it's still too small for even a thin novella and it's still too small. I guess it would just be fine as a short story. Cause I mean, I feel like this has got to be as long as like sometimes they come back if you yeah. put all the text together. Uh, Cause you think about, I mean, I think a third of this is picture is uh, yeah, animation. It is just the two page sprawl for every month that starts it off the black yeah. and white. And then there's the, the page text and then you there's a the blank page, page that yeah. separates it. So it's, it's so strange. I think it is technically though identified as a novel. Well, it's just well, it's funny because when you start watching Silver Bullets, it's based on the novelette. <laughs> there, a new name, novelette. There so you go. I, mean, uh, I like maybe I like, he's coining something there. What's well, kind of reminds me of Piglet, which is my favorite. Uh, um, you always talked oh, about that. Much like from Piglet. Winnie the Pooh. Love Winnie the Pooh, but uh, <laughs> it says on Wikipedia, which is where um, America and literally everywhere across the world gets their information from. <laughs> it says short horror novel. <clears throat> Interesting. So, yeah, you know, I I personally see it as just a short story it really yeah. is and honestly i i feel like if you put all the text together and there has to be something out online where you just can get all the text on there without all the images which is that sounds like a that's like watching pleasantville with your eyes closed but um, yeah like why I, would you even yeah, want to experience it that way right you but just like, tear out the pages if you want to but page count wise you think it's i feel like it's it's like a long short story and i don't think if you i feel like if you would read it with just the text maybe it wouldn't be so jarring when they introduce marty yeah but because it, it does feel like it's just kind of like world building world building and then all of a sudden you're like oh and then here's this kid but in the in the current format it does feel a little weird all of a sudden to have this structured narrative there i think i don't, I, I didn't mind as much because i was thinking about something like it where the first 30 or 40 pages focuses on webby right in the mm-hmm. 80s and you never see him again you never really follow up with that character yeah. there was a uh a guardian piece uh you know they did a whole rereading stephen king series a couple years ago and i disagreed with this take but i think it actually is kind of interesting they said i wanted he's talking about when he was young and how he saved up money to buy cycle of the werewolf mm-hmm. he said i wanted to buy cycle of the werewolf but it was just so expensive so i saved i bought it over misery that's not a choice i'm necessarily proud of now now i realize it's almost the very definition of a book that would have been better off staying in the library not because it's bad or anything but because it's just so slight uh and 
I was like, I, I, I actually disagree completely because I feel like out of all the Stephen King books you would own, it would be this one because of the illustrations. Like this is a book that you, it's not like it where you own it, but you read it maybe once every you know, if you're a big fan, like five to seven years, I love this book because I like I was happy to buy it because the illustrations are something I just want to open up and flip through and look at sometimes, yeah. you know, I mean, it's such a two hander. I mean, the Bernie Wrightson animation is 50 percent of the enjoyment of this book, if yep. not more. Yeah. And so I can't imagine. I, I don't know. I just I just disagree well, with that take. And I actually did like that reread that The Guardian did. Yeah, they stopped. They stopped about a year ago. They have not followed through. Oh, that's a bummer. But they did a lot of of really good dissections, so you well, should seek that out. Well, the Randall the, the Randall uh, <laughs> R- Randall is a writer for the Guardian now, so maybe you could pick up where they left off. I would happily do that if yeah. they would let me. I, I I do feel at that such an adult point of view because uh, you know, when he says it should be left in the library, yeah. I, I could see where that imagery comes from because this is the type of movie, like book that I would find in the library to yeah. get me into Stephen King. Uh-huh. You know, because I'd see this and in, in, at the time I was more into baby books. So um, <laughs> I would actually see this and be like, ooh, pictures like what Mac was joking about before. And like, I I think it's actually a great, uh, I think this is actually great for kids. Right. Like, it's a good really gateway do, King it, book. To- absolutely. Yeah. And I feel like it's it, it would have really matched on the bookshelf with like scary stories to tell in the dark yeah. and yeah. Al at Home by uh, Arnold Lobel and a bunch of other great, you know, just smart narratives like matched with un- unbelievable art. Uh, but at the same time, I think like, you know, as a King enthusiast and a King fan, you do want to keep yeah. it. But I think for the general reader, I don't know if there, it makes any sense to kind of have on the shelf. Though. Sure. You know, yeah. Just... Well, and, and like I, I think uh, growing up and knowing about King, if you're into horror and you want to read these things, but maybe your parents won't let you or they won't let you watch the films. Being able to pick this book up and look at it and see, oh, this is what's this is what Stephen King writes about. This is uh, this is the kind of scene that he, you know, it, being able to see those pictures, I, it did get me interested in, in reading Stephen King and and really wanted me. I wanted to see all these horror films at that point, knowing that like this is this is what everybody's talking about. This is what is indicative of a Stephen King novel uh, or at least a horror novel. And some of them are extremely gruesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I I can imagine this is the book that would people would fight over and. The library, yeah, was, you know, definitely school, for sure. That and the shark books. Oh, totally. I always, I always checked out shark books. I was really <laughs> like, into that, like the Jaws: The Revenge adaptation, or no, like just books that had pictures of sharks and shark attack yeah. stories in there. I always remember I read, I like one of the first ones I ever got was like a, talking about a guy who got like his arm bit off and it was like hanging on by like oh. little bits of bone and oh, skin God. or something. Ooh. It was so gruesome. I was probably like in fourth, third or fourth grade mm. and I thought it was like the coolest thing I'd ever one read. One of my favorite shark books oh. was the uh, adaptation of the TV series starring James Wood, Shark. Remember that shark. Show? Oh, was there an exclamation God. point at the end? I, I think so. I think Poppy Montgomery was on that show too. <laughs> so right, Justin, hey. uh, why don't you walk us through the way that we're going to approach this book in terms of the month by month structure? Thanks, Randall. Again, this is such a strange book in that we've discussed this. It's not a novella. It's not a short story. It's not a novel. What the hell is it? So let's just totally change up the structure of the episode. <laughs> why not? Why the hell not? So what we're going to do is we're going to go around and we're each going to list off from least to least to favorite. Um, so our least favorite month. So Mac would go first, name his least favorite month, then Mike, then Randall, then me. And by the time we get to a, a month being mentioned four times, we will dis- we will finally discuss the month. As we go along, we'll all figure it out. Trust me. Yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> this is not this, it's not obviously a definitive ranking. This is just a point of when will we discuss the month? Because you know the, the averages we've done lists before. We'll do lists again, but let's just shake it up. And this is a fun way of, of breaking down a personal opinion of a. Definitely. So, and I think that. Oh, oh, I was just gonna say. I think that um, 
it's this is where the spoilers will start flowing. So uh, yeah, just a warning. If you haven't read this book, stop the episode immediately. Uh, It'll but, take you an hour. But <laughs> yeah. honestly, this is this is actual forewarning for all episodes of the books. If you haven't read the books, stop reading. Yeah, yeah. Stop listening Why to these. Listen to us? Like, this is the, this the, the whole purpose of this yeah. podcast is to dissect and break down the <laughs> book. To the I know. smallest. It detail. was a little weird for me to do a spoiler yeah. warning. Yeah, I don't know okay. why I felt <laughs> the need. I'm still waiting for the like the review like, that what? says. You know, I've listened to 30 episodes, and and why did they keep spoiling all these books? I know we're we're like 50, 60 episodes in, and I felt the need to put a spoiler warning. Anyways, okay, so uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take I'll make notes of when the month is mentioned, and then when when we get to uh, having everybody mention the month, then we'll break down the month and why we have it at certain places. Sure, so. sounds good, Mac. Uh, you want to you want to so start Mac, us? Yeah, uh, my first uh, and least, least favorite. favorite month is, and this is just a, this is a true in, in general too. Uh, no, it's August. Ah, uh, the month right. of August. The month of August. So Mac has got the month of August. Like, for me, it uh, it's uh, just like the Arcade Fire says, the month of May. <laughs> but I like the month of May, the song. I like the song, yeah. All right, cool. I'm about to blow all your goddamn minds. Oh, my least my favorite already blown. Yeah. is the month of December. Ooh. Oh. I actually almost put oh, that down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, my least favorite month is like the Ryan Adams uh, song. September. September. Interesting. We're all different. Yeah, so this is, this is what I'm talking about. This is a little interesting. So, Dan, we miss you. Uh, so we're, September we're, is a big... Uh, we're, we're one cycle down. <laughs> so let's go to our our second least favorite, Mac. Uh, my, my, I have to chime in here uh, with another Ryan Adams song, September. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So we got two for September. Ooh, it's getting... Which it's is getting great, because there's another, so, there's another song in that album about werewolves that we're not... <laughs> You're right. <laughs> It's called Silver Bullet. Bullet. Oh, we've got to play that. Oh, definitely. (laughs) All right, Mike, what do you got? Your second least favorite month in the cycle of the world. This is actually my least favorite month in the whole year. Uh, And it happens to be my birthday month, August. August. uh, August Ah. August dies, she must. In the song, April Comes, She Will. So we got two for September and two for August. Ah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go next and say September. Oh, great Ryan Adams song, by the way. I do love that song. Rock and Randall Colburn, <laughs> September. No, I'm so Randall. This time, this episode, I'm Randall Claus Colburn. Ooh, well, that's right. oh, sorry, this cat's got claws. Um, okay, so my second least favorite is November. Oh wow, ah. that's the first one for November. So. That's an interesting cycle. That is, we that are is almost to me. about to, we're, we're getting close to September discussion. But so let's go to the the third round. Mac, what is your third least favorite? My third least favorite is October. October. Wow. Happy Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> Trick or treat. Okay. Uh, <laughs> trick from Mac. Oh boy. For me, that would be my, uh, my favorite uh, Big Star song, September Girls. Oh. Okay, it's time to talk about the month of September and cycle oh. the world. So. This is pretty low for all three, four of us, actually. So I think we're going to pretty much agree on, on why it would be our least favorite. Who wants to talk about it first and, and why it's it's low on our on our respective lists? Uh, I'm just not a big fan of pig farmers uh, <laughs> when it boils down to it. And uh, no, it's just kind of it, what happens is it's introduced after a lot of the meat of the story has started to develop. And going and at that point, I'm just more interested in in what and Marty and and everybody, you know, and and the werewolf and who he is. And so when we get to this point, it's just kind of like, 
are we going back to we're going back to just like a random story that no. really doesn't tie into anything or, or we, we don't come back to it it didn't it didn't it didn't serve its purpose for me but see that that and that goes into the problem with that randall had brought up before and that when it starts pivoting in a narrative yep. is that now they can't go back mm. to those more like right you know uh it's kind of random standalones and standalones yeah. because now they have to be beholden to the narrative so that now he has to do some sort of heavy lifting mm-hmm. to get the narrative going and you know he does a good job at kind of having that kind of spooky sort of what is going on yeah. sort of discussion yeah. and i and i respect it for that but i agree like there's this is a superfluous you know chapter in the in the realm of like the actual horror of things going on because i mean yeah like the idea of hearing the pigs like dying and whatnot is this is kind of creepy in, in a sense. And I like the idea that something really awful is happening outside this person's house. But it's, yeah, it's just not enough. Yeah. I, for me, it's sorry, Randall. It's for me, it's I think there's two or three what I call transitional months, like you said, mm-hmm. where we're just trying to get to the next month. Now, I think a character that's introduced here does show up later on. But at the same time, we've had such powerful images from the earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. We've started, as, for me, an interesting narrative with this kid in the wheelchair and I don't know. It just takes a little bit of a of a turn, and, and yeah. we're, we're we're almost at the end of the book too. And for this to pop up near the end of the book is is a bit of a letdown. And just to clarify, like this is about some pig farmers, Pucky Robertson, like Elmer Zinneman. Basically, it's at this point in the narrative, the wolf is trying not to kill people. So there's been less human deaths and more animals have been getting killed. But these guys, obviously, you know, they still want to kill this werewolf. And this is sort of the chapter, I guess, in terms of narrative. It's about these guys banding together to be like, we're going to go hunt and kill this werewolf. Exactly. Which, right. which doesn't really pay off either. Right. Uh, no. In terms of narrative, it does so more in the uh, movie. Right. Yeah. But because um, this this is like an important thing in the movie, which but it happens a lot earlier, lot which is earlier. when it should happen. But yeah, you make a good point, Mike, in just the sense that this is a chapter that is setting up more narrative Instead of serving as a vignette, because even the Marty chapters, like Marty's first chapter, is oh, a vignette unto yeah, itself. Yeah. We'll get there. Yeah, I'm just yeah. saying, like, like it's <laughs> a, it, it's a vignette into unto itself, even though that character comes back. In this case, it's really not. And also, I think sort of the early joys of reading this book is every chapter we're about to watch somebody get mauled to death by a werewolf. Yeah, that's why we're reading it. Yeah. That doesn't happen here. Instead, we just get some dead pigs. It's like the yeah. silence of the pigs. This yeah, is, and uh, and I will say too, in terms of like this not being one of my favorites i think it's one of the weaker illustrations too yeah, yeah. oh yeah uh, it, it actually doesn't really look of a piece with the rest of the book I and maybe agree. that's because the wolf isn't in the photo but... also um on a totally different note it reminds me of uh, carrie yeah yeah absolutely yeah. and the image that we have here is like you know some old farmers you know one of them in a raincoat and they're looking on their dead pigs and yeah the dead pigs look pretty cool and one of their heads is mounted on a fence post but the way the men are, are drawn here looks a little bit different from mm-hmm. the rest of the illustrations and it just doesn't really stand if you look out closely though, bernie, the bernie. credit it does say journey writes in, not bernie writes in, so. <laughs> <laughs> like that was his evil twin brother journey journey <laughs> This is basically the king of the hill chapter. You know, know, like the guys like having beers. Yep. Yep. There we go. And like, I mean, the dialogue is actually pretty good. I I mean, I I do like the the back and forths that are very simple. You can tell that King knows these people. Yeah. And I I love the last line. I do love the last line. It's like, people better look out, he says. Oh, yeah. He does set up the rest of the the fall and the, you know, the oncoming winter season again. Is this the chapter where he's going to go out and do something about it? But then he hears a yowl that it sounds kind of human, too. 
and he like is kind of decides to go back inside with his wife. Thinking yeah, I think everything. you're right. The thing's just chapter. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. He's, That's why uh, I made the, that great silence of the, the silence of the pigs joke. The beast howls again. Its cry is silver as the moon. Elmer goes to the window and sees something he cannot tell what go bounding off into the deeper darkness. Uh, but no, you're right. I, I, that's not the exact line that you were referencing. I think but right I, before that, but yeah, yeah but I do. I, I, that is right. I, I mean, did like that a okay. little bit. There is some great imagery to this. I mean, look at the, like this section right here on page 88. It says the rain comes later, pelting against the windows as Elmer and Alice sit up in bed together. All the lights in the bedroom on. It is a cold rain, the first real rain of autumn. And tomorrow, the first tinge of color will have come into the fall leaves. Yeah, it's just a really good setup. Yeah. I, mean, I, I, don't, I actually yeah. don't really have too much of a problem with this chapter. And that's probably kind of a problem also. <laughs> but I do think that it, it, it feels totally out of line from like the rest of the yeah. book. It, it, just, it, it feels like he's reached the end. He's like, oh, shit. I got to start it's a, kind of getting this together a little bit more. To yeah, back to what you were saying, Mike, I don't think this is necessarily like a bad chapter. Yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't stop and say, God, that chapter really sucked. <laughs> I just thought, well, let's... I just, well, I Next just read in July. Else. Anyway, we'll, we'll keep It on. doesn't offer right, the right. simple pleasures exactly. of the rest of the book, which exactly. is, you know, set up, introduce a character, introduce a narrative, and then watch that person get killed. And it's super fun. <laughs> like, that's yeah, why I, I love actually, some of the early chapters. I actually feel like this chapter would have been better if they just basically details the scene of him and his wife hearing the pigs being slaughtered outside. Mm. Yeah. Having that sort of image would have been enough. And the fact that the knowledge of them knowing that they're not going to go outside indicates that the townspeople know something really bad is happening in their town. And know? again, I think this it's something that's that is taken and and expressed and serves better in the film. Uh, yeah, that that idea too. of, of yeah. being scared uh, of after dark. Yeah. So we yeah. ready to move on to the uh, the next. Uh, I think so. Right, yeah. So Randall, you're actually next. So what's uh, your third least favorite? Then I will say this might be a little bit controversial. But already controversial already. So I'm gonna say January. Okay. January. Okay. All right. So we got one for January. Okay. I will now go next. And my third least favorite is January. Oh! I thought it would be controversial. Well, not necessarily. Not necessarily, my good boy. <laughs> Mac, let's start the fourth cycle. What do you got? Oh. Your fourth least favorite. Uh, I guess a March. March. Uh, You've got one but where for the March. Odds of March. It's lousy yeah. smart weather. Yeah. Smart. Smart, smart. For me, mine is... I mean, now I'm on fourth one, right? Fourth least so, favorite. Yeah, mine's December. December. The long December. We got two. <laughs> There's only two Decembers? There's actually only, only, December actually so only one yeah. December in the calendar year. There's a long December, as Mike said earlier, too. Uh, wait, did I say October yet? You have not. And I'm going to say October. October, so your fourth oh. least favorite is October. October, baby. I always think of uh, Billy Madison. He's like, what day is it today? And, goes, and Norm McDonald goes, October? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My fourth least favorite is March. 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 We got two for March. So we're, we're moving now. We have not mentioned one in a while. So, Mac, uh, fifth least favorite. January Embers. Ah! We've got three. <laughs> and it's going to be January because that is the next one for me. Mike Robbins, <laughs> we are now going oh, to discuss. Wow. I don't know why opening. I find January Embers so funny because I guess I just imagine you as like Ben Hanscom. <laughs> <laughs> Your hair is j- winter fire over here. Okay, so who wants to kick off the the January discussion? Well, Randall's the first one that had it. Didn't yeah, yeah, I mean, I'll just say like I I really like the chapter. It's a great way to introduce. <laughs> it's that's the thing. That's yeah. why I say least favorite to best. Yeah. Well, it's and to I the think worst that, to best. I think you know? that speaks volumes, though. You know, like it, it, again, 
I really liked a lot of stuff in September, and I there's parts of January I liked. At one point, I feel like this was really high up there for me. So it's yeah. just like it's just kind of slight because this chapter very much feels like a calendar chapter. Like it's so short, mm-hmm. it it really just introduces. You've got this, you know, drunk old man who is in a shed and it's snowing out and then he gets killed by a werewolf. And it's it's great. Like the way it's written. I love the idea that he he, like hears scratching on the door and, you know, is it a dog or something? And then it just and the way that uh, it's written when he gets killed, like what I love about this is there's just such like a what do you want to call it? Like there's such like a cold quality mm-hmm. to the way a lot of this is written. And I feel like that's lost a little bit once Marty enters the story and everything, it does, yeah. because th- there's a, there's an omniscience to the narration mm-hmm. that I really respond to, especially in this chapter, like the way it, you know, when it says like something, the, the section we read earlier, something in human comes to Tarker mills. Uh, I like I love that because that's like Stephen King talking like mm-hmm. it's it's God talking. It's not it's not because usually his narration is written from within the mind of the character that he's working with. Yeah, I've got that that writing. I think you're talking about, too. Oh, if I, if I may. Uh, oh, well, I read it earlier. The the part I'm talking about. Oh, maybe this. Oh, no, that is the part you're talking. Yeah. About. Yes. But just like the. um uh, But I do love the way like the coldness with which, you know, he dies. Like it springs with a snarl and mm-hmm. Arnie Westrom swings the pick once. And that's all we get. The screams mm-hmm. begin, you know, I, a little I, bit later. I also like how it sets the tone for like his more whimsical narration. I mean, yeah. I love how he says, you know, outside the wind rises to a shrill scream. Westrom raises his head uneasily and then looks back down at his game again. It is only the wind after all. But the wind doesn't scratch at doors and whine to be let in. Yeah. And it's just like these mm-hmm. little fun things that you could just tell he's having a blast writing about yeah. this and it's yeah. all throughout this book and, yeah. and that's literally in the second graph so he sets the tone really well here i actually think that there's a lot of cool table setting to this chapter mm-hmm. and it also just introduces the way he's writing like what i love is how efficient it is yeah, like it really you just is. said the second graph like it's already kicking off and that's so that's something i'm so not used to with king usually he does a lot of laborious setup and it might be one of the fastest uh, king's dominion that we get in a story because GS and WM railroad is the same railroad that cuts through like castle rock. Oh, I did not know that. So. I did not know pick that. up on that. Yeah. Interesting. So I mean, look at that sentence. This, the, the first sentence is somewhere high above the moon shines down fat and full, but here in Tarker's mills, a January blizzard has choked the sky with snow. That's a great line. That's yeah. a great opening line. Yeah. It's a little long. I mean, he has, he literally has an interjection <laughs> in the first graph, <laughs> but uh, the wind rams full force down a deserted center avenue. The orange town plows have given up long since. So this, this isolation starts out the story with isolation. You know, that's kind of a hard place to start. And but. it also feeds what you were saying earlier, just the idea of, I know it, we always laugh when we say it, but it's like Tarker, Tarker's Mills is a character. Yeah. You know, it yeah. begins with him, not yeah. with Arnie, because... Yeah. It's more about the town than it is the the characters. And what I love, and this is what, like, the early parts of the book are so promising to me because it reminds me of, uh, like, Winesburg, Ohio, like Sherwood Anderson's, you know, the, you know that book? Like, it's very much just a series of short stories and vignettes that all take place in one town and are kind of centered around similar themes. And I wish the whole book was like that. I wish they were all chapters like that. And this. it also feels like he's slowly bringing us into town. So we're yeah. starting nine miles outside of town. Yeah. You know, with that little tool and signal shack. And then the next one, we kind of get a little bit, you know, we mm-hmm. get into town also. But. It's also a really good mislead because it's, you know, the, just the idea of something inhuman has come to Tarker's Mills. So you're already thinking it's it not. Is it Tarker Mills or Tarker's Mill? It's Tarker's Mills. Tarker's Mills. It's Tarker's Mills. Yeah. 
Let me see this. On the back and, of the um, book, it says Tarker Mills. That's yeah, right. See, that's they, another. They, they, that's they, what they, threw me off. It, Tarker Mills is on the back of the book. And then it's Tarkin's here. Mill. But <laughs> in, <laughs> in the book, in the book, they constantly say Tarker's Mills, and as well in the film. So this Tarker's Mills. Yeah. Okay, right. No, it's got to be and, your ball. <laughs> but I like. I do like how it's, it's literally what. what it, no, on. it's a stupid Tommy Boy reference. Oh. So I do like how it's a. It's a rant. It, it's already making you think this is something that's come here from out of town. So you're not thinking it's necessarily anyone in the town. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, any other thoughts on this chapter? It's really short. I mean, because yeah. it's like, I think, you know, he wanted 500 words for uh, the calendar. And I think that's about what this one is. Oh, yeah, I did. Uh, I thought it was fun that the first character we meet in this, their first name's Arnie coming right on the heels of Christine. Oh, that's weird. Very yeah. different, Arnie. Yeah. This yeah. is an old drunk yeah. man. Maybe, man. Maybe it's man uh, to be old. Arnie on the path of the wolf. I yeah. do. I do wish that like he could have given Arnie like a little dog or something like that to hang out with up in the in the shed. And then no, maybe, like, maybe then like, the dog would have gotten killed. No, no, the dog like gets away with like some blood on it, <laughs> and it goes into town, and that's like the little uh, that, that's. You know, or the, hey, when he hears the dog here? scratching at the door, he thinks it's that dog. Or, or maybe the whole book is the dog wandering around Targar's Mills with like you know bloodstained dog like like trying to get home. But they do so that. It's like cat's eye. They do and that. It's like cat's eye. No, they do that in Cooge too. <laughs> oh, that is yeah, Cooge too. Cooch too. <laughs> I love that. That's uh, more, more, more wandering, more rabbin, <laughs> more, more rabbin. Oh All wait, right, wait, wait. On the topic of Cujo, who wins, Cujo or the werewolf? Werewolf. Oh, werewolf. Hands so? down. Absolutely. That thing's ripping someone's face apart in one of the electronics. He just swipes somebody's head. He just swipe off Cujo's head. Do the do the vets a favor? Yeah, but Cujo has like the soul of that guy from the Dead Zone. Oh. <laughs> That's a good point, though. Yeah, uh, the, the, like, soul, have the, the soul of Frank, of Frank Dodd, Dodd or the werewolf. All right, well, who would win then? Frank Dodd <laughs> or, or Randall Flag? Frank Dodd with <laughs> or, or Randall Flag? <laughs> yeah, no, Randall Flag. <laughs> Frank Dodd with Cujo mm. at, at his side, okay. and the werewolf. The werewolf. I, yeah, the werewolf problem. <laughs> question. First of all, Frank Dodd would just kill himself with the scissors if he saw him coming. That's actually. <laughs> I think the only. Actually true. I think the only king bees that could be the werewolf is Mordred. Oh yeah. Oh yes, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. That's all I got. Mm. Well, Mordred's really well written too. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that in 2022. Yeah, no joke. Uh, <laughs> okay, so Randall, you're we're still going here. Hey, you're, title you're, title of the book appears in the first chapter. It's true. The, the cycle, cycle of the werewolf, werewolf has begun. The cycle of the werewolf. Yeah. You know. Hey, that's, uh, okay. It does a lot of setting up. So your so this is your your fifth least favorite, Randall. Uh, the Ides of May. <laughs> My favorite. <laughs> that's the second sequel to the Ides of March. Um, George Clooney film, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Has anybody said May? No. Uh, yes, Mike. Yeah, I didn't ah. that's, my, that's my least favorite. Okay. Oh, interesting. I have August, so we've got three for August. It's weird. My, Mike, I got, I, mean, I got August really high. Uh, Mac, mm. your sixth least favorite month. Oh, I'm gonna go with. Uh, don't don't uh, shoot the messenger with the firework. Uh, July. Whoa! <laughs> first first mention of July. <laughs> Shoot the messenger okay. with a firework. Mike. I'm with the Ides of March. Mike, we got three for March. Uh, and I literally have March next, so. We are oh. talking about the month of March. Let me look at my notes because I totally forgot what March is. It's, so It's the old drifter. Okay, I'll, I'll start this one off. Uh, this is, again, another, for me, a transitional story. Yeah. I do like the fact that we don't necessarily see it happen. I still think it speaks to the strength of King reminds me of something from Salem's Lot where you hear what's going on upstairs and then we actually don't see the action taking place. We just have to deal with what the person's hearing. 
I kind of like the aftermath. I like the illustration of just the frozen hiker or whoever the, the oh, frozen yeah. drifter. I, I do like that. the animation there, which is why I think it's higher up for me because, like I said, so much of my enjoyment of Cycle the World comes from the Bernie Wrightson illustrations. But so for me, it's middle of the road in terms of my my placement. We get a lot of characters in this one. Yeah. yeah. We get Milt. Like like Milt Sturmfuller, which sounds like a name name that we would have made up when we do our fake critic. critic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But I I should say, actually, I do. I mean, I like this chapter. I think it was my my sixth favorite. So I don't know. It's confusing. For for me, the art of the frozen man just sitting there up, like staring up into the sky, (laughs) reminds me of our discussion from the last episode of the frozen alligators that are the. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Reminds me of a frozen Jack Torrance at the end of The Shining. That's true. Uh, The definitive version of The Shining, actually. Mm hmm. Uh, I was back and forth on this one because I, I really love the image of of the the man frozen, kind of in, in mid, like trying to save himself from this thing that's just ultimately going to tear him apart. Uh, but I did like. There's a little bit in here that I, I liked the description of, is, as well as Deadwood. Mother Nature has pruned a few power lines out by Tarker Brook this wild March night. This the sleet has coated the big lines, growing heavier and heavier until they have parted and fallen on the road like a nest of snakes, lazily turning and spitting blue fire. Uh, I just uh, some Spit of the description. Fire. Some of the descriptions in this are, are pretty gorgeous. Yeah, like um, I just I, I like this chapter a lot. Is and it's it's another because like the first two chapters, the first one focused on the town, but also introduced this lone solitary guy. The second one focused on this one woman. Here we get like several characters. Like I love this, and then we also get more about the town, and it's more about so I think the the influence of the werewolf starting to really spread its paws. Mm-hmm. You know, I love this little <laughs> section. <a> great pun. <laughs> I love this little section about uh you know in the night something begins to howl. Oh, I love this. Yeah. yeah. Later, no one will be able to say where the sound came from. It was everywhere and nowhere as the full moon painted the darkened houses of the village everywhere and nowhere as the march wind began to rise and moan like a dead berserker winding his horn it drifted on the wind lonely and savage yeah i that that everywhere and nowhere repetition is yeah. just great it's very like uh, poetic in a way i it, this kind of reminds me of the death for um was it buddy Repperson and oh and, yeah. uh, christine when he's like oh, out there in the middle of the, snow, and the, yeah. the random hiker hears him screaming yeah I, I actually i really loved how he uses this person's death to kind of introduce other characters. I thought that's smart. He still is keeping the action of someone dying because we need that, that uh, as, as Caffrey loves that gore. He loves seeing people die. Um, <laughs> we need to see that as a, as, as a reader at this point because we still are needing to be hooked into this book. And he's able to kind of just get all very like our town on us and just like yep. fucking give us like a, a half dozen characters. Yeah, like um, we get this cheating guy, then we hear it like, you know, in just that paragraph after it's like Donna Lee hears it as her unpleasant husband sleeps the sleep of the just beside her constable Neary hears it. Ollie Parker hears it. Like we, uh, then one of them is a boy in a wheelchair because at, I like at the this, boy in the wheelchair tease. Well, at, the, at this point we haven't really been in the town because you know, we haven't talked about February yet, but February is a very isolated incident also. Yeah. And you know, it, and then that's at a house too. So this is kind of like the first time we're really actually getting into Tarker's mills. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I actually really like this, uh, this chapter, which is probably why I have it like halfway through my, my rankings. I, I think it's yeah. an effective transitional chapter in a way that September wasn't. You know? mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah. All right, I feel so, bad for that drifter. I mean, God, could you imagine being a drifter and just wandering around and being like, you know, it's, it's really a, cold out here and my life is look, he's oh, living really off, hard. He's living off the government. You know, I don't feel too good for this guy. <laughs> I'm paying, I'm like paying his money. It looks know? like he's only wearing like a flannel t-shirt out there it's Kirk Cobain. And it's I think the world, freezing. The world right? got cold and stole his jacket. <laughs> he actually <laughs> looks maybe like he Jack. Did. Maybe he did. He's wear, it almost looks like he's wearing Jack's clothing from The Shining. Mm, interesting. Yeah. That's my favorite movie now, especially since I love the pop-up bar that they did for it. Um, uh, all right. <laughs>
Hello, this is Jason, co-host of the All 80s Movies Podcast, with a message from Factor Meals. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factor's no-prep, no-mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer, thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you will always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you will always have new flavors to explore. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Head to factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 and use code 80smovies50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code 80smovies50 at factormeals.com slash 80smovies50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. My, um, <laughs> this would be number seven, my seventh favorite. How about that at this Ooh. point? My seventh Is that favorite. Lucky Seven? Lucky number 11. Ooh, that's my favorite uh, Josh Harnett film. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite Bruce Willis film. Oh, God. Number seven, I got... Over Die Hard 2. Uh, Trick or Treat. October. Coming at number seven. So we're, we're now many? we're entering the top half for How a many lot we of got so for, uh, That's three for October. Uh, so Mac, what is your sixth favorite? My sixth favorite is the uh, month of December. Ah. That's three down for December. Interesting. Uh, uh, so uh, New Year's is only halfway on my list there. <laughs> All right. Matt, Mike. <laughs> uh, ding dong. I want some candy. Hey. I'm looking at October. Uh, Let's talk about uh, October. Right. October. Now, here, here's, the, uh, here's the problem with this. I think the, the way that King paints this chapter is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I, 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 there are a lot of sections I'm going to read in a section. Uh, <laughs> there are a lot of sections I'm going to read in a second. But I think he kind of fumbled this month a little bit. I think that there's a lot of promise to October yeah. and with Halloween and, and the, it being one of the spookier months of the year. And it's just kind of, it, it's, it's the big reveal in a sense. So he does save mm-hmm. the reveal for this, but yeah. for some reason it just, I, I felt that there should have been some awesome Halloween death here. Well, you know what, Mike? Oh, you know yeah. what, Mike? Like, uh, I'm with you, Mike. You'll get your wish when you watch the film. No, you already That's, watched the film, but they, they changed the months up. For the movie, I, we'll talk about that I, I actually really like this month. I just love, well, again, the illustration of just seeing the back of Yoda's head. Yeah, yeah. the way that the the character, the Reverend's face is painted in here, reminds me of the paintings that are in the Haunted Mansion ride at Disney World, mm, where yeah. they're also like smug and they almost look like dead corpses in a weird way. Well, I just love the slow reveal. Of, and it says he knows he knows who the werewolf is. Yeah. At one point on Marty's tour, the Beast himself, now safely between his moons of insanity has dropped candy into his bag, unaware that Marty's face has gone deadly pale under his Don Post Yoda mask, or that beneath his gloves, his fingers are clutching his Yoda staff so tightly that the fingernails are white. The werewolf smiles at Marty and pats his rubber head. And then, of course, you see the eye patch. And, and this is, oh, yeah, so basically this is a chapter we see Marty trick-or-treating, and this is when we learn, it, this is when we learn, right, that the, that the priest, the reverend, is the werewolf? Yes. yes. Yeah. So this is where we learn that. And so I guess that's sort of why it's lower. Like this was pretty low on my list just because for me, it was just a plot chapter. And as I've, you know, kind of said, it's just like my least favorite chapters in this are the ones that are more about like that final sprint in the last several months of moving the plot forward. Like I would just much rather get some more werewolf slaughter action. 
Uh, yeah. But there is good stuff. Though. There's some great descriptions. <laughs> yeah. Like I yeah. love when he ta- starts talking about um, what you know Marty's sister Katie is going to be going. Instead, instead she will go to a party with her junior high school friends. She will dance to Donner Summer Records and Bob for Apples. And later on, the lights will be turned on for a game of Spin the Bottle, and she will perhaps kiss some boy, not because she wants to, but because it will be fun to giggle about with her girlfriends in the study hall the next day. I just saw, you know, my girl Nancy Wheeler from Stranger Things just oh, co- coming back from a party with uh, Steve Harrington. You know, great, great <laughs> scene from Stranger Things too. Hey, who do you think she should have ended up with on Stranger Things? Uh, she should have ended up with Steve because Steve is great. Um, Yoda, she should have ended up with say, Yoda. Yeah, I would say the, 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 all this this chapter starts to do is remind me of that scene in ET when ET yes. runs into Yoda on Ooh. Halloween. So maybe this is a, a Room Two Three Seven crossover. Uh, I think maybe, it is. Maybe Spielberg. Tarker's Mills is actually. Uh, uh, in California somewhere. Yeah. Well, maybe the person that's dressed up as Yoda is Marty. I could see except that. that. Except that Yoda's Ooh. not in uh that Yoda and E.T. is not in a wheelchair. I was just going to say, yeah. <laughs> well, maybe the alternate universe, he doesn't have a wheelchair. He doesn't have a wheelchair. Maybe yeah. he gets out of the wheelchair, yeah. kind of like that scene in... Um, uh, what was that movie with uh, the person gets out of the wheelchair? Oh, Pearl Harbor? Oh, yeah, Pearl Harbor. Where no. FDR stands up during the big speech? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a great God, scene. That also. awful. But no, there's... um. Oh, no, Forrest Gump, when he gets out of his leg braces. That's great. Um, I will say that I really love some of the humor that, mm -hmm. because it's kind of highlighted here. Like, I find uh, Marty's dad to be genuinely hilarious. Like, I love, um, uh, the night has gone out, the night he has gone out trick-or-treating with his father. His father likes Halloween, likes the brisk cold, likes to laugh, and hearty big pal laugh, and bellow uh, such idiotic things as, hey, hey, and ring-dang-do, when the doors open and familiar (laughs) Tarker's Mills faces look out. Because I totally get that. Like, I've been that guy before. Do you think Stephen King, uh, like Mark Ruffalo says in Spotlight, knew that uh, most of the, the the people involved in priesthood uh, had molested children. Most what of the people doing? involved in the priesthood. Um, I, look, I'm, I'm going most all out. I'm going, I'm know, going all out against the, the, real, the, the church. Yeah, the, scar- <laughs> the scariest part of this chapter he keeps is... patting his head. The scariest part of this chapter is actually... Uh, uh, the dropped bag of candy at the end. All that candy was laid to waste on the on the side of the road. Yeah, that's that definitely the scariest part. Second rule. Five you know, tr- rule. true story. My my father, because I was such a hideously fat kid growing <laughs> up, um, would actually take the candy from me when I came into the house and would give me three pieces that said, "There hey, you go, Happy Halloween." It's doing you a favor, maybe. Randall, <laughs> uh, what do you got? Oh, we're we moving on. We're moving no, no, on. no, no. We got to keep talking about Halloween. But there you isn't know, much to this chapter. Yeah, like there, there's, there's a little the big bit. reveal. He yeah, talks about chunky bars and Snickers bars, and he's got the. I love the don post reference that's a very 80s sort of thing because how who, how many people owned a don post mask growing up i sure did. i did at one point which one did you what did you have a yoda did you really have a yoda it's me and oh, are you really actually yeah. in a wheelchair <laughs> you're, in you're, you're marty coleslaw <laughs> coleslaw that's all i kept thinking randall about. coleslaw i kept thinking about how much i wanted uh, pastrami and rye with coleslaw while reading this um which speaks to my uh my old selves yeah, I guess we have exhausted this. I guess I, I, I guess that actually speaks to why this is a little bit lower for me. Is that I? It's this only is my five favorite, pages though. What is favorite. she supposed to do? I don't understand what he's supposed to do. Like I don't know. I just I, I, <laughs> I will say that I love in the illustration. Uh, you get kind of this little glimpse into the the Reverend's house. It's all Jesus. And I know. I just love that. Like behind him, there's just a. It's like a, a headshot of Jesus. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, this is this is it's signed. I think <laughs> if, if we're gonna be if we're not really doing too many of the word process or the gods this time, I gotta re- read this. Yeah, again. Oh yeah. Yeah, do it because on on page one hundred one, this absolutely captures my melancholy of when morning starts showing up on 
All Saints Day, November 1st, which is my least favorite day in the, of, the, of the entire year. So now Marty lies in his bed, listening to the October wind sing outside, rattling the season's last leaves, hooting dimly through the eye holes of the carven pumpkins which flank the Kozlaw driveway, watching the half moon ride the star-studded sky. The question is this, what is he to do now? He doesn't know, but he feels sure that in time the answer will come. He sleeps the deep, dreamless sleep of the very young while outside the river of wind blows over Tarker's mills, washing out October and bringing in cold star-shot November, autumn's Iron Month. Iron Month. The Iron Month. The Iron Flag. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite Wu-Tang album. So Yeah, that's good shit. That's it's good uh, sh- There's a lot. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like Even in the chapters that you know aren't, there's like good writing on every page, and I think that's because of the limited word count, you know? Yeah. Like he really does have to condense and make it count. Yeah, I bet there was like so much editing that went into this. Did you, you know? yeah. did you also have depression like after Halloween was over? I mean, I as a kid, I just absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I, d- just, I don't think I did because I you know you have candy for like days so it wouldn't be well into true. November where I was like oh no this is over I was well, more depressed after Christmas really like so depressed like inconsolable well, I, I, I love that period I mean like, my favorite month is October but I do love that period from Thanksgiving all the way through New Year's because I all the holidays are yeah. going on and like just the, the cold of Chicago right now I, I would just uh, get so love it I would just get so sad that like the, the programming on TV wouldn't have like Halloween specials on anymore or You'd like horror movies. Twenty four hours of home for the holidays on the yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> TBS. Or like in like like the Christmas story, which is still a movie I've never really gotten into. But the, the thing I love about October is that everyone is on board and on on the same page about yeah, we're we're like really into scaring each other right now. We're like really into spooky stuff. And even just like the, 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 the passage of time of October and how even more so than November, it really is that that month of death and the leaves those, are falling the leaves are falling and, and, and there's there's pumpkin spice lattes in the air and i'm oh. wearing a nice sweater as i'm walking you know around this great crisp weather you know i don't know but i miss october already i do too but the good news is we're, we're only nine months away that's why we are uh, waiting for october actually love love the song love the song okay randall what do you got mm, beware beware the ides of november <laughs> Only two for November so far, by the way. Only two. Okay. I do love the illustration uh, in yeah. November, though. I have got one of my favorite Third Eye Blind songs, Fourth of July. Coming up. July. Uh, only two for July so far. We're getting the. We're. I think we're getting the sections now where we all really like these chapters. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Mac, what do you got? Top five. Um, now. Oddly enough, it's it's not a fool, but it's April. <laughs> First one. For April. No that's cool, April no is cool great. April yeah, that's is a necessary April. chapter. Okay, Mike. Probably my uh ah whatever, June. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's my that's my that's birthday, birthday month. month. Hey, Max First birthday one month. for June. Okay. First one. Alright, Randall rocking. Randall uh, Rabbit Randall. Randall Claus. <laughs> Rabbit Randall is pretty good for this oh, one. Get it right. I'm gonna go with February. Oh first that's one. A controversial one. February. For February. February. It's time to talk about the ending. December, here we come. Yes! Oh. So we're talking about the ending of Cycle of the Werewolf. Now, the, the first person that had December as their least favorite was Randall. Yeah, it was yes. me. So you got to go all in on this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't hate it. It's just like, for me, it's 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 sort of a betrayal of uh, what I, I think what I wanted this story to be, which was a series of vignettes about a werewolf that wasn't necessarily about, I didn't want it to be about conquering the werewolf. I wanted it to be about a town being 
ravaged by a werewolf. That's pretty mean. That's a lot. That's a lot more <laughs> interesting to me in terms of what I was sort of promised at the beginning. In that, like, I like in the beginning, we're kind of set up to be to think that the werewolf is is like a cancer, mm-hmm. and you know. It, like it, it doesn't have meaning. It's not part of a traditional narrative. But then halfway through, we do get that traditional narrative, and this is the conclusion of that narrative, which I find to be a bit um, anticlimactic. See, I, mean, I, I disagree because I, in most King, as we all know, cause a wheel, mm-hmm. right? This keeps going, and this there's just but a cycle, and so I feel like this is a very good summation of the cycle of the werewolf. It's over. You, you can't keep going, or else it wouldn't be called the cycle of the werewolf. That's a good point. And I also like this imagery here um, after. He's turned back into the reverend, and I just lost that. I apologize. He says, the reverend Lester Lowe lies there, wrapped in a bloody shroud of curtains, snow blowing around him in random patterns. I love that imagery right there. Yeah, and I also I, like the imagery of, of the kid in the wheelchair blowing away a werewolf's head. Let's, let's, talk about, <laughs> let's talk about the kid in the wheelchair for a second. Yeah, good. Now, Who, there Marty? Been, there, yeah, Marty. <laughs> there have been you know, countless sequences in horror movies at this point not countless but a few where there you know been unfortunate victims in the wheelchairs that have been massacred there's like franklin and texas chainsaw massacre uh, there's the Friday character the 13th too. Yep, too. Yeah. when you met marty the kid in the wheelchair was there any part of you that thought he was going to die no me either and that's yeah. and that for me centering it around him you just know that this kid is probably going to conquer. Well, maybe after the events of April, yeah. like because of Brady, like you do think that not even kids are safe. But yeah. at the same time, the Brady wasn't developed as a character. No. Marty was very much developed and he was hinted at in an early chapter. Mm-hmm. So clearly yeah. this kid was going to be important. But there is just something a little teensy bit hokey about the way that it's, he's... It's like Spielbergian. Yeah, it's very Spielbergian, which is not... like, And this is... You know, it's it's always wrong for the reader to say it's not what I wanted. That's not a valid criticism. But yeah. I think the reason that I'd, I'd continue with that is because I felt like we were promised a certain kind of story at the beginning. Well, that's the thing, though. That was your interpretation of it. Exactly. So I'm not I'm just saying, like, this is my subjective opinion, is that I would have much rather had a story that was very much as like January, the way January, February and March are, are laid yeah. out. No true narrative, but just no true narrative. Just, just 12. Yeah. Which is, I yeah. like we said earlier, I kind of wonder if that's what the, the, the calendar would have been. Well, and, think, uh, think of it, th- think of it this way. Conceptually, the narrative really doesn't begin until what July. That's the longest. That's arguably the longest chapter. Yeah. So, so far, so to speak. So that's pretty much, middle of the you know the story of the year You're like 30 pages into a book yeah yeah i mean i guess you can make the argument that like we were talking about before it's all set up until you get to that point when he wants to actually start the narrative yeah or <laughs> he's halfway through this project and they're like hey uh stevie maybe even dino <laughs> comes out of the we shadows wanted, we want a new movie Stevie. steven we lost out on christine what are you working on there i see there's some paintings from this <laughs> bernie wrightson character now what if we match these paintings with a film and that <laughs> film stars my good friend gary Busey. steven dino think, a, sa- think about it dino sounds a lot like roger moore <laughs> yeah. dino dino, dino. I, uh, I, I just i just think that like uh, conceptually maybe this did pivot yeah at halfway through and like that's why it becomes because right. if you if, like look if you're looking at if you're going if you're in december and you are looking back to the earlier the beginning of the year it is a far different experience yeah than you have here having said that I do think there is some sort of nice suspense here to enjoy and to appreciate. And I think there is a kind of rousing finale. Sure. And it's interesting that it all takes place on, it's on New Year's Eve. 
I yeah. So I, it does, New Year's fitting. starts at the very, very end. Yeah. You know. I feel like they kind of had to develop Marty, if only because if this is a cycle and we want to see the werewolf get got to to be totally random stories, random stories all the way through, and then to have New Year's be the last story and have Marty just introduce everything about him knowing about the werewolf and having a silver bullet and killing the werewolf. And I know maybe you guys didn't want the werewolf to be killed. Maybe no. yeah, and, and that's fine. But I don't think it would have worked on its own. If you're first introduced to him, you're like, oh, he just happens to have a silver bullet. You know what I mean? Like, oh, so yeah, I wouldn't it kind of makes more sense that they that they do what they do. I can, I can always the werewolf managed to get like someone here. Yeah. Like Katie. Yeah. She's she's lame. You always get me if you want, Marty. And just like and all just of a like sudden. Tears her head off, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or like or maybe even like Marty's dad, who's just like ring a doo and like all of a sudden he gets like sliced off There's or something. Like, like, like clawing at the door, ring a ding doo and then just bah. <laughs> or like or maybe like Marty's dad turns into the werewolf, just really throws us off. Like, wait, what? Like something that adds some sort of drama to this, but there isn't. It's just he shoots the, the werewolf, and there you Stop go. It's over. It's done. All right, let's cut the let's cut the ham. Let's cut. The, let's get some of those leftovers from uh, Christmas. Uh, speaking of leftovers, there's a little pound cake in this chapter. Oh, yeah, it's there nothing, is nothing major, but it made me laugh when I was reading it. On page one twenty two of Signet, um, um, there's a bit about Al. And it just says, uh, Al started to speak, then closed his mouth with a snap. He turned into a driveway, hearing the Mercedes front wheels crunch in the new snow. He reversed and started back. He fought in Vietnam and won a couple medals there. He had successfully avoided lengthy entanglements with several lusty young ladies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and now he felt caught and trapped by his 10-year-old nephew. But uh, Which I just... Which is like such a, a random... <laughs> I know. It's like very strange. Like, it's, just, it's like... I'd I can imagine like, here. like Bernie looking over his shoulder and Stephen King looks up like, huh? huh? Like, and he goes, w- all right. Wagging yeah. his eyebrows. Yeah. I just love the phrase "several lusty young ladies." Like it's just such a, a well, bizarre. Like, I guess it's supposed to explain that Al's like alone. Yeah, you know there isn't an aunt. No, that's, yeah. that's around there. But I, I thought Al's. Uh, I thought Uncle Al was great, and especially yeah. now that we know that it's Crazy Boosie is uh, as him. But <laughs> do you think that the, well, f- the story plays a different character in the movie though? He does play a different character. I, the, w- do you think the the, f- the story would have changed for the the worse the better had they killed Uncle Al? I think it would have been sadder because I really like Uncle Al. Yeah, yeah. As I just a think the narrative for it just didn't. I'm somebody who definitely likes darker endings 99 mm-hmm. percent of the time, but this one I would not have been satisfied. Per, again, you know, it's it's up to us if we like what the writer's writing. But if Marty had had his head like chopped <laughs> off, or if Uncle Al died there, it just I don't know. It wouldn't ring true to me personally. Well, I just felt like the, this was the triumphant month and the triumphant moment for this kid who has had problems his whole life. Who's not getting along with his? He's not close to his parents. He's only close to his uncle. I like this moment that he gets to have of of something that nobody else who had who has all their cap- who has all their facilities was able to do throughout this entire town for the entire year. And it came down to a child in a wheelchair who saves the day. Well, it becomes it. It, I comes, love that. it becomes the Monster Squad basically. And that's fine. This is before the know. Monster Squad too. It is before the Monster <laughs> Squad, but it becomes that type of you know fun. I had mentioned Spielbergian before, but yeah, it was a very Spielbergian adventure that I don't think the first half of the book was. The first half of the book is like cold and merciless. And with the exception, I guess with February, it's kind of funny and tongue-in-cheek a little bit. I guess yeah. it, aesthetically, it all just kind of lines up when you really think about it on the long line of things. But even so, like when you get down to the specifics, it, it, it does feel like there's a, a sort of hopelessness to the earlier chapters that 
right when you meet Marty, you're like, oh, this guy's going to solve it. He's going he's gonna to get it. He's going to solve this. Like, there is a, a hope that comes halfway through. And maybe that's King's intention to, mm-hmm. to, to kind of give you that sort of hope throughout the year. You know, like, uh, you well, know, maybe, the maybe sense, got patriotic about it. Yeah, like, there's the sense, too, that this is aimed at, you know, at least younger audiences. There, oh, are, yeah. there are some really brutal vi- bits of bi- violence in it. But in terms of pure readability, it's, it's a very easy, straightforward read. Yeah. He's not trying well, to get too heady in it. And, you know, it does have a, you know, he does give you that satisfaction ending I, I just think back to when it was a calendar who was he trying to market it to, to yeah. if it was going to be this dark like i don't just know stephen king fans i think I get, yeah you know I think it's like because yeah. there's no i'm sure there was no just calendars of him like kind of palling around town with his friends or like i would buy that calendar and, actually i would actually buy how that many stephen kids king are going to get this calendar this violent <laughs> like, calendar him for, petting you know i mean like i don't even like know if they'd be able to get car. it just no just like a, a candid photo of him like putting the groceries in the trunk like Oh, like that <laughs> caught in yeah, the act. caught in the act. But uh, better get those March groceries. I but yeah, no, I I don't have a, a problem with this chapter per se. I, I I do feel that there's just no stakes once July comes through at at that point. When you look back in hindsight, other than that, other than August, well, when you get to the constant. Well, I still think you have to find out who the werewolf is, and other people are still going to die in the meantime. Yeah, those pigs, get but nobody else killed. does though, right? <laughs> In the six months, yeah. yeah the, there's, there's, yeah. Just, there's, months just, there's just for August, though. And then and then whatever. What, I can't remember. November the, at the motel. Yeah. The, the motel, guy okay. dies, too. Yeah. 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 More, well, people, more people die. There's like two people that die. August, the guy after, dies. After, after he gets so, so to what? the fire. So there's thing. only four people that die in the beginning. Wait, you know, it, I wanted there's more only so many months. There's only so Look, many months Mike in the year. Get, we're getting toward the end of the book. Like, they need to go all out. Like, at the end of Scarface, he kills, like, you know, Millions of people. Like, Scarface is very good. Stephen King's but Scarface. They, they go Stephen into King. they go into why they're on death because he knows he's being found out. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he's like trying to like morally wrestle with like why he's doing this. But you know, I guess I, I thought I, he all can... I, I'll have to say to that, Mike, is you know those those first five months are, are there. You want to read them? Go read them. I will. Actually, <laughs> I'm going to go back. I'm going to I'm going to go for another cycle. I, I think I think with November, Michael if no, recycle. Ooh, the I would have liked. I would have liked. Recycle the werewolf. It doesn't really make sense in the way that the werewolves are are created in this book. But I would have liked there to be. A January at the end of the book where well, Marty's Marty where turns we're... around and has the yellow eyes like at the end of the thriller, the thriller? thriller video. <laughs> the end of the uh, uh, we're, yellow we're stupid eyes. Well, here, let's <laughs> you mentioned John Landis's thriller video and John Landis. He is the king of the werewolf because an American werewolf in London is, is, as far as I'm concerned, is the quintessential werewolf story. Yeah. And the actual roots of American werewolf go back to the late 60s. So, you know, because you could argue that you know, that this came, if King had this idea in the late seventies, then obviously he wasn't modeling off of American werewolf in London at that mm-hmm. point. Cause he had already had these ideas in his head. The movie didn't come out until what was it? 1982. Or yeah. Any? Well, he's probably thinking also about just the old universal movie, the Wolfman. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. Do you think a curse of the werewolf, that hammer horror movie with, that's with true. Oliver yeah. Reed. With, well, yeah. Oh my God, Oliver oh. Reed, I would absolutely, um, Love that man. Oh, when I did the Elf, <laughs> I meant like he was man. such an alcoholic. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I find Rest Oliver Reed to be the sexiest uh, man in the world. But do you feel that Landis's film you know, directly influenced this book? I think between this and even The Howling, because I think... Well, when did The Howling come out? 80, 81, 80, okay. 81. Be- just before American Wolf of London. Um, so the werewolf craze was kind of happening, I would assume, around this time. Now, if he had the idea to start, obviously, before those 
projects were underway. That's a different story altogether. What I read was it was posed in 1979, yeah. but it didn't come out till 83. So and, yeah. and Landis had the script idea that he was shopping around since the late 60s for American World. Mm. And, and what's also is interesting is that they, they have the Albert Finney movie that came out in 81. Wolfen. Wolfen. Yeah. So there's a lot of where, like What, what is was. it about the early 80s that was about the, well, the, the werewolf? Well, you say the same like, thing know, about yeah. like vampire-like yes. phenomena, how it, all of Zombies. a sudden with Buffy and all this stuff, it just started to come back and there was this big vampire renaissance you know werewolves, werewolves were happening yeah now zombies and zombies are out the door and we'll probably werewolves are around the corner again it's a cycle well oh my god 1981 was the year of the werewolf <laughs> if you really want to talk about the cycle the real cycle of the werewolf it was 81 you had american werewolf in london that came out in august 21st 1981 hey my birthday um wasn't wasn't alive yet um <laughs> then you have uh <laughs> the howling which came out in march 31st of 1981 and then Wolfen, which was uh, the Albert Finney. Um... Wolfen. Wait, wait. I'm what, sorry. When so did you're Jack... saying the Howling came out after American Wolf in London? No, it came out before. It, it came out March. before. Oh, in March. July. Okay. Oh, my God. You could actually almost make a cycle of the world before 1981. Wow. It's interesting. So Wolfen that, came out in July. that's crazy because they all came out the same year. It's not like they capitalized on the success of something else. They just happened to be coming around at the same time. No. It's and like those thriller, right? movies. And then Thriller, well, the video, the, the, the Thriller movie, or the, I think Thriller, the, the video that like, came out in like 82, late 82, 83, yeah, maybe? Yeah, 83, I think. And then Jack Nicholson's Wolf came out in uh, 84. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. right. Yeah. Yeah. But I and, think, then, and then yeah. Wes Craven's Curse came out in 85. <laughs> Well, it's obvious that like when these were all being developed, that there was just an era of wolfiness in, out there. You know, I think there's, I think Universal <laughs> Chiefs were just werewolves actually at the time, and they wanted to make movies about themselves. That's, Wol- that's my Did hot you say take. wolfiness? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh man! And then Teen Wolf came out what in '85, I guess. The Love early Team '80s, Wolf. there's a lot of wolves. Team, going Team on Wolf came out time. and blew them all away. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I, I just think that's interesting. Love that it was in one year. That's that's just wild, actually. Yeah, no, then, nothing yeah. was bouncing off the other. They just happened to be made at the same time. That's really strange. Yeah. I agree. Well, that might also speak to why King decided not to kind of indulge in any sort of like mythology regarding the werewolf because it's like that's already been done. Well, like he's just. Well, gonna... I, and I really appreciate that. In this, yeah. Um, when they have we gotten to that part yet? Yeah. We well, we discussed oh, yeah. it earlier. Yeah. yeah. Well, 85 is another uh, big werewolf uh, year because that's Silver when Bullet. Silver Bullet came out. But that's also when Teen Wolf uh, yep. came out. And then also Howling 2, your sister is, is a werewolf. A werewolf. Oh, I love that, that movie. movie. Is, bad movies. That movie yeah. is psychotic. Oh, yeah, God. Yeah. We watched that at the Music Box of Horror several years we ago. Sure did. Oh, God. Sure a lot of, lot of orgies. Anyway, sorry Are we going off on that tangent. No, but, no, 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 but it's still interesting development pertinent. with the, those early 80s werewolf movies. Um, but, okay, so wait. We are now going to go to Mac. Mac, what is your fourth favorite Fourth favorite has got to be for me, June. June, my birthday month. It's two for June. I love it. Okay, Mike. That would be November. The year of the turkey. Rock and Randall. The turkey. Beware, beware the Ides of July. Oh. That's three for July. Okay, I have got beware, beware the Ides of February. Ooh. Oh man, only two for February. Oh boy. Only two for February. Nice, nice. Mac. Uh, my third favorite is February. Ooh, three. February. February. Mike Rothman. Hey, get those firecrackers, because it is the 4th of July. Oh! Time to talk about the 4th of July. This is the chapter in which Marty encounters the werewolf in his backyard. 
Yeah, I think that, like, I remember it, it was sort of a, I felt a marked change in the tone. And, like, we discussed this sort of earlier, like, like we said, Mike, once Marty enters, there is the sense that he's the hero. Mm-hmm. And there is a marked change in the tone here that I, when I was reading, because I kind of binged this all in one sitting, I found very jarring um, for me personally. And because I'd say that the the narration took on less of a cold quality and became much more embedded within Marty. And uh, it was it felt very Kingian and just the sense that, you know, he's very good at taking whatever character is the focus of whatever chapter he's writing and really melding their voice into his narration. And there was a lot of that going on here. But um, but I do really love this chapter, like once it gets going. And um, I love Marty's relationship with Uncle Al, because I think we all have had some kind of cool uncle. I've tried to be that, but uh, to my myriad nieces and nephews, but I am decidedly not cool. Got to bring some fireworks around. I know they think I'm so lame. It's hilarious. My this is a funny story. My wife uh, told our niece that she was following her Finstagram account, which is like her fun Instagram. Apparently, apparently like kids have like three different types of Instagram accounts. Oh Jesus. I, can't uh, imagine. I know I'm like learning all to, about this. It's hard to do the losers club and my own personal one. But Jen was like, <laughs> Jen was like, uh, was like, Oh, I follow your Finsta account, Ashlyn. And then Ashlyn immediately got her phone out and blocked Jen. <laughs> I was <laughs> laughing so hard. I'm like, you are the lame aunt. Anyway, sorry. But uh, I will say, though, that, you know, here we see Marty. He's mad. They canceled the 4th of July because of all the murders. Yeah. Uh, he wanted to see fireworks. And then Uncle Al saves the day. He's kind of a bad boy a little bit. Yeah. Uh, he's kind of the black sheep of the family. But him and Marty get along. He buys Marty some fireworks. Marty gets up in the middle of the night, lights them, and meets a special visitor. <laughs> and it's not Uncle Sam. It's not Uncle Sam. I Look, you could even just gloss over this this section and go, Wow. Look how long the paragraphs are compared yeah, to everything Yeah, it really takes on else. life. I really like this chapter a lot because it does feel like it's a short story of itself. Like if you, he could have easily just put this as its own story, like in maybe Night Shift. Mm-hmm. It's just a little section there. And then that was it. This unlikely kid managed to take down a, a werewolf. And it, it's very, there's something almost very Hemingway about it. Just being like, well, the werewolf is somewhere out there. But the kid triumphs and that's enough. Yeah, yeah. I like the end here, Mike, to go with what you were saying about what the kid is... There's a switch here where I think if, if this happened to me when I was a child, I probably would have ended my life. <laughs> but for Marty, the, the, the caption, I like the king writing here. There's a deep exultation in him. It is stronger than the shock. He has looked into the terrible face of the beast and lived. And there is simple childlike joy in him as well. A quiet joy he will never be able to communicate later to anyone, not even Uncle Al, who might have understood. He feels this joy because the fireworks have happened after all. I yeah, like, like I, I could have totally like when I was reading, I remember thinking and I'm like, they could Marty could never come back and that would be satisfying. Yeah, like because it tells like a really great standalone little story. And I would I probably, you know, like I almost wish it was that because I find this very effective. I'll say, too, I just I just love a lot of the writing. And um, there's a line. There's some bits here that just really reminds me of childhood. I was I was kind of, you know, when I was a kid, I used to uh, I had trouble sleeping unless other people like I was on the upstairs and i had trouble sleeping unless other people were upstairs uh when everybody was downstairs i would like get really spooked and uh and i would like sit awake and listen Mm. um to everybody Mm. and just kind of listen to the evening like the the evening unwind like and when the tv would get up would turn off downstairs i would get excited because i knew my parents were coming upstairs so this section right here just really reminded me of childhood and i loved it um page 66 so then he begins the waiting for the rest of the house to go to bed 
It takes a long time. The TV runs on and on in the living room. The can laugh tracks often augmented by Katie's shrill giggles. The toilet in Grandpa's bedroom goes with a bang and a flush. His mother chats on the phone, wishes someone a happy fourth, says yes. It was a shame the fireworks show had been canceled, but she thought that under the circumstances, everyone understood why it had to be. Yes, Marty had been disappointed. Once near the end of her conversation, she laughs. And when she laughs, she doesn't sound a bit brusque. She hardly ever laughs around Marty. And I love that, too, just because, like, uh, you know, you do hear when you're listening like that, you're hearing your parents act very differently and your family act differently because, you know, you as the child or whoever, like you change the fabric of the interaction no matter what. So I don't know, like just reading that, I had sort of a really strong identification of what it's like to be young in your bedroom and like listening to the world go on. I agree. Yeah. It's just neat. There was a, um, a commercial that they still air, I believe, and this is a different holiday, but same sort of sentiment. Uh, the, commercial with the m&ms and the santa claus uh the ones like that plays the nutcracker theme and they do exist exactly yeah Yeah. and for me that was always that seemed to capture that feeling of the house being still at night Mm -hmm. and there's that the kind of glow of the christmas tree and just being um everyone asleep except for you and just having that enjoying that kind of peacefulness and this chapter reminded me of that that feeling i mean obviously different holiday but that yeah that that feeling of you being the only one that's up at night and, and, and just reveling in that peacefulness. Yeah. And I love that. And it's, and it is such a, a thing as a kid because as an adult, I feel like those moments you kind of sink more towards the anxieties of life. Whereas in the kid, there's like a wonder to it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, Ooh, I'm up and everyone's asleep. Yep. And for me now as an adult, it's like when I'm up in the middle of the night, it's usually like, well, what can I worry about? There's also <laughs> some true blue, uh, King's dominion in here. Oh, um, Hit it. It says, Marty, absolutely stunned with joy, moved his lips to speak, and nothing came out. Light the fuses, set them down, and they spray as many colors as there are on a dragon's breath. Eyes of the oh, dragon. God. Folks. <laughs> Give me this Oh, book. my goodness. I'm taking it away from me right now. <laughs> Give me it. Oh, I got another King's Dominion on uh, page 64. The first thing Marty saw were exotic Chinese markings on the package's label. Could they be from the same Chinese Ooh. food restaurant in it, uh, in Dairy Maine? Oh, we need to clarify that these toy. are room 237s, not <laughs> Dominions. Do we need to clarify? For the yes. love of humanity, we have, to, we have to clarify that. But yeah, I I, I I love this chapter. I, I think that there's a real sense of adventure to it. There's such like a horror to the the werewolf otherwise, and that's present here too, but there's, like Mike said, he used the word whimsical earlier, and I think there's a whimsy to this chapter that I really love. Even just the the sense that he's overcoming it by shooting a firework at its face, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or like lighting firecrackers by its face. I really love that, and I love the illustration on page 67. Oh, the illustration's great. Yeah, just like the the werewolf. I love the size and the weight, like how, how hunched yeah. its back is, all the muscles you can see in its back but i also love it just kind of covering its face in such a human way and i also love like how the moon is just shifted over with the shadows on the on the ground yeah. reminds me of like those scenes oh, in yeah. halloween when like laurie's walking across the street and all i i i actually love where we get a little bit more uh checkup on what's going on in the town too like when you you know here on page 62 it's like the, in the papers now they were calling him the full moon killer but Marty had heard of plenty of whispers around school before classes had ended for the summer. Lots of kids were saying that the full moon killer wasn't a real man at all, but some sort of supernatural creature. So you find out that he's now become an ur- urban legend. Yeah. And that's just great yeah. world building also. I agree. And, and, you know. Anything else to say about uh, yeah. Marty? What do you guys Marty think? Any, any other thoughts? Well, we get a lot about the Coleslaws. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they, they seem to be a pretty uh, well-to-do family. They have a new pool. Uh, even Al, who seems to be this like fuck up, has a Mercedes. Yeah, I thought that was kind of hey, different times. It was different Reaganomics. Times. Oh, Ronnie, love Ronnie. 
Let's talk about uh, fireworks for a second. Anybody have some fun firework, uh, you know, stories growing up? I was afraid of fireworks. I still am kind of. Really? My big fear is like having it go off in my hand or blowing up my hand. I still mean, I, I, I like watching them. I don't yeah. mind being around even small areas, but I just don't like to be within 10 feet of a firework. But is that because you had known somebody that got hurt no. with fireworks? No. Interesting. Just, just, just always was afraid of them like that. I know I, I, I don't mind holding like the, what do you call them? Like the little dazzlers or whatever. Yeah. They are. yeah. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. Those are like, but I'm not kidding. Those are like literally like, a, like an arm's length away when I'm, when I'm spinning around. Really? I'm not, even as a kid, I wasn't doing like the, ooh, ooh, ooh. so you're no, not going to no, be I like was, the, the famous football player who uh, decided to hold a cherry bomb in his hand or something like that. New York Giants, M80, Giants, yeah. One of the best we've got. Yep. I, I love, uh, I love the Roman candles cause they could kind of be like the guns from minority report a little bit and just like <laughs> sling them around and, <laughs> Yeah, I love I've loved fireworks and I've always had, you know, we never got like nice ones when I was young. We always kind of got the cheap ass ones. But, you know, it was always really fun. And I have warm memories of it. I had a friend who was like deathly afraid of them because when he was young, one flew through a window and landed on his plate of food. And like, that, uh, Jesus. yeah, he was like yeah. so terrified. But uh, no, I, I the way I kind of I don't know, there's like I have like a firework memory. I was, you know, my ex fiance when I was younger, she was traveling at the time, like she was traveling for her job. And uh, she uh, was home for Fourth of July for like a couple days, and our relationship was kind of on on kind of rough ground. Mm. But I remember I had like no money, and I went and I spent like the last of my money on the sh- you know fireworks, and I just got shitty ones because I wanted to like show her some fireworks because we had no plans. And I remember I like led her you know to this like empty basketball court like by her apartment complex, <laughs> and uh, and then like had them all laid out, and she was like, "Oh, this is nice." And then I st- I started lighting them all, and they were just the shittiest fireworks, and they looked awful, <laughs> and they were so like anticlimactic, and she was like trying to be like she was into it but you know it was like such a like a it like just totally summed up the state of our relationship i was just thinking that yeah she looked at you with the last like whizzes away she just goes it's over yeah it's like hey there's a real lack of fireworks in that relationship at that point maybe you're not a firework yeah but so anyways a little bit of melancholy but i still love them yeah yeah and i I have like a love-hate relationship with fireworks because like you know growing up around disney like there's fireworks all the time and i'm like those are amazing but like i know some friends of mine and we had we got our hands on some fireworks and we snuck out in the middle of the night there used to be like a a built a bunch of um suburbs uh being built behind Mm -hmm. our house and so it was just you know a madhouse uh, of just empty empty buildings that we could go climb in and sit on the roofs and things and um so we we uh, we would set off fireworks back there sometimes in the middle of the night. I don't know how we weren't caught doing. How old this. was I in the house at this point? Uh, so we you out immediately. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it was far enough away, I guess. Where I don't know. I mean, I'm sure we alerted some people. Um, the cops, probably. But the only the only good thing about doing that was that we we did uh, we used them on a werewolf. Oh, <laughs> we buried the lead over and, here. Uh, did you have a friend we... with like in a wheelchair <laughs> with you? That was like Marty. No, we didn't. But no. uh, but yeah. I, so I I know I. I it was fun. I, I think fireworks are fun. I think they are scary and dangerous if you're, you know, holding one right next to you, which we can talk about in the in the movie. I feel like I'm like I don't know how he was doing that. But, I agree with you 100 on everything yeah. you just said, Mac. Everything you literally just mm-hmm, said, mm-hmm. except I did not know you were sneaking out. I would have rad you out, like I said. <laughs> oh yeah, what Rand- a great older brother. <laughs> All right, we're, we're, so we are moving on. Time to move on. Randall, what do you have got? What do you got next? Year? August. We're talking oh, August about August. Lasted really long for you. It's been... uh, yeah, I really like August because um, I don't know. It's just, it's it goes back to sort of a standalone chapter and, and a little bit. And, and and August was my least favorite. Was it really? Yeah, yeah. We'll I, talk about that. Like I'll, I'll just, just say really briefly. This is the reason it's my favorite one. It's probably my favorite visceral animation. 
Yeah, I just I love um, this is just a really simple chapter about the constable in the town and sort of reflecting on the investigation into who this killer is, the speculation that it's a guy in a mask, like a werewolf mask. And then he's just chilling in his car and then he just gets slaughtered. But uh, he the it like literally rips part of his face off. And the we see that in the illustration in Burning Rights illustration. And I love it. It's so creepy. It's so visceral. It's uh, it's just really pulpy and mean and nasty. And I I just kind of love it. It's the image that always sticks with me when I go long periods without reading the book. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the one picture that sticks with me. Just that the grotesqueness of the of the of the cheek exposed. Yeah, yeah. and there's some great writing there. I'll find too. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I actually else. have it up. I'll, I'll read it. Yeah. Uh, and I just love how again how abrupt it is. But Constable Lander Neary's good police work comes to an end that night when a hairy, moon-silvered arm reaches through the open window of his Dodge pickup as he sits parked at the crossing point of two dirt roads out in West Harker's Mills. There is a low, snorting grunt and a wild, terrifying smell, like something you would smell in the lion house of a zoo. His head is snapped around, and he stares into one green eye. He sees the fur, the black, damp-looking snout, and when the snout wrinkles back, he sees the teeth. The beast claws at him almost playfully, and one of his cheeks is ripped away in a flap, exposing his teeth on the right side. Blood spouts everywhere. He can feel it running down over the shoulders of his shirt, over the shoulder of his shirt, sinking in warmly. He screams. He screams out of his mouth and out of his cheek. Over the beast's working shoulders, he can see the moon flooding down white light. I love that. The 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 screaming out of the cheek is what gets me. The, The closing lines in this one are great. It's like so much for psychology, so much for good police work. Yeah, and it's yeah. just that, that's like a very uh, almost Canterbury Tales sort of summation. Just like mm-hmm. well, so uh, so long, so long. So I, yeah, Mac, Mac, why would you say this is at the bottom of yours? Well, I think that that picture is like Justin was saying. It's the one image that really did stick with me. But again, and I think this is because we just got like some meat to this story, mm-hmm. and then we're going back to. This guy just ta- thinking, and then he gets killed. Yeah. And I was just kind of like, eh. Well, again, that goes back to my whole thing about how this is just a condensed King story. Yeah. And where I, you're going to have these, you're going to be introduced to people you're, you're never going to meet again. You'll meet the main characters, and then we'll go back to something else happening, and then we'll go back to the main characters, and it's over with. I mean, the kill is great. The kills, I like the description there. Everything that you guys just read was really great. And the again, the the, the illustration is awesome. But I don't know. I just feel like there are other chapters that follow, you know, characters for a short bit that I feel like. Oh, this is number eight on my list. Much more fleshed out. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Shall we move on? Let's move move on. Who's up? Uh, It's me. It's me. I'm next. And I'm going to say June, which means only three for June. So June. Interesting. Mac. What what are we on? Second favorite. Second favorite. For you. Or less for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, My second favorite is November. Let's talk about the Ides of November. Ides of November. Finally, at long last, we're actually talking about this month. At long last. So, I had this... This is my least favorite. Maybe one of my least favorite ones, So why is this your least favorite? It's my second least favorite. Again, it's a transitional chapter. I'm ready to get to the end of this point. Um, I kind of like Lo going to the the motel. I, I, I like the animation. Is animation right? Am I using that word illustration. right? Illustration. Illustration. It's not moving. You're right. I like the illustration. It's like I... Again, I like this book a lot. It's just for me, there are 10 stronger chapters. Honestly, that's really what it boils down to for me. It's not even a table setting because we've established what's about to happen in December at this point. You know, So let's just get to December. That's where I stand on the chapter. Yeah, but I, I kind of like the... 
out of all the character work that happens with the reverend i really like what goes on here i mean just yes. the idea that the kid is sending him notes that say why don't you kill yourself like that's, that's really creepy. dark like it makes it makes marty seem kind of really creepy yeah. like and we, that's in the movie too it's just it's very it's it's something that i found myself very struck by as i was reading so i don't know i kind of enjoy this little look into lester's head and in you know by this point i'm 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 checked in with the narrative and and i kind of enjoy that but i also just really there's a vis, there's visceral pleasures to this chapter as well like we get to see milt the the abuser the the douchebag milt sturmfuller we get to see him get his and i love 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 on page 113 the little uh illustration of the head underneath the 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 tire yeah, i love that yeah. it looks like a little caveman head it and does it's look just, like, it's a just like it for it's freaky it reminds me of a uh, hati dati water or whatever the from me Dodi walker me Dodi walker yeah. <laughs> the dr loomis head although this i like also, your version the hati tati yeah, I, like, I like how this also just buries the point home that reverend Lowe will never kill himself and he's again saying how he was not a good man. All things serve the Lord. He's reason, his reasoning has gone yeah. into total insanity at this point, and he will continue to go until somebody stops him. And I think that that's why I love this chapter so much, because we finally get... Because, you know, like you were saying, like Stephen King was like, okay, werewolves do this, werewolves do that. His werewolf just happens, and mm -hmm. there's no reason for it. There's really no reason for it. I have a Room 237 reason for it, but... And what is it? <laughs> well, we haven't mentioned something that it's it's related to. So oh, when okay, we do yeah, that, gotcha. I will we'll definitely do hold off. On yeah. Uh, I'll... So, but ultimately, I think that I I love this chapter. I love what it says. I I love that even though he tries to get away from harming people in the town, he goes outside the town. He still ends up killing <laughs> someone from the town, which I think it's just like he is he's doomed. Even if he tries to to say, okay, well, maybe I just won't kill people here. I'll go somewhere else, or, or or reasons however he wants to reason, or uses the the Bible. But he's still in the planning on killing to. the kid too. He's mm -hmm. right. Well he, well, he starts to think maybe maybe someone should should quiet him. Exactly. So it's 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 just creepy to see how he convinces himself of this. And like I said, at this point, we know we have these characters. We're fleshing them out. So I really love actually this this moment where we get to flesh this out and we find out that there is no real reason why you he's love the as well. I do. <laughs> um, this is really neat. This is from the Guardian piece on this, which uh, I really and I really responded to this read of this chapter. So the writer says one last thing. I don't want to harp on about King's addictions, but it's hard not to when you know that they were there during the writing. This was mid-addiction, and there's something basic and obvious about it when you know that. A mild-mannered man turned into a monster by forces out of his control. And what hits hardest is the Reverend Lowe's explanation of why this happens. It's not that he was bitten, he explains. He simply picked some flowers. He picked some flowers to put into a vase, and they died far too quickly. As soon as he had them in his hands. After that, he lost all control. Marty begins sending him notes that suggest he would be better off killing himself. Why don't you end it all one note reads because that way he would be protecting others from himself and he doesn't consider it because he's selfish he didn't ask for the problem it just found him it's one of the frankest depictions of king's addictions you'll find in his books it's blunt painful and quite devastatingly sad hmm. and i just the idea of like those notes like why don't you kill yourself and the justifications and everything it's it's very dark and it's i don't know i just responded to that read of it i like it's, that read i never i didn't think about that when i, I was didn't reading either particularly yeah. in 112 we get some pound cake he says 
Uh, and perhaps God is just after all, because if there is a first class grade A shit in Tarker's Mill, it is Milt Sturmfuller. He has come in this night as he has on other nights, telling his battered wife, Donna Lee, that he is on business. But his business is a B-girl named Rita Tennyson, who has given him a lively case of herpes, which Milt has already passed on to Donna Lee, who has never so much as looked at another man in all the years they have been married. Maybe that's not so much pound It's so sad. But it's sad. It is sad, yeah. But I do like a, a lively, case. lively case of herpes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Never really. I don't know if I've, I've ever heard anyone refer to herpes as a lively case. Probably because I've never heard of anyone talk about herpes around me. You know, I haven't had it yet. No. Um, <laughs> I do have something here. Let's talk about King's yeah, Dominion. Yeah, if you yeah. look at the November, uh, the cover of the November section here. Mm-hmm. Okay, the main the, the, the tombstones. Uh, it's the graveyard. Yeah. Look at the second tombstone at the bottom. What does that say? Um, I can't read that. It's tough to read. You have to kind of look really close. Rupert. Hubert. Oh, Hubert. Hubert, what? Margate? No. Oh, Marston. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's Salem, so from um, cool. Salem's Lot. That is yeah. really cool. Hubie Marston. It yeah. looks like on the side of it. Oh Marston. yeah. Now looks I like, see it. It looks like R.L. Stein's buried in this graveyard too. So my cool. my so cool. my room two three seven slash King's Dominion is that it says that the priest the priest thinks back to he became a werewolf because he picked some flowers from the cemetery mm. and they turned black in his hand. And I think that maybe there were some flowers from Hubie Marston's grave. Oh, you know what? That'd be that's actually, that's not even room 237. That's actually a pretty fun little take on that. that that's yeah. my, that's my, uh, my um, King's Dominion uh, Interesting. Take. You think he'd be a vampire then? Well, no, because Hubie Marston well, was some, just some all vampires evil can be our werewolfy. Uh, guys, <laughs> we got an official Losers Club theory. I haven't seen that theory out there. I have not. I let's, like uh, that. let's throw it out there. Is you've heard it right here, Losers Club official LC theory. Boom, right there. Because again, there's this chapter where he talks about the flowers, right? Yes. In the tombstone, in the in the, in the cemetery, is that? And, and again, the, it's not all vampires. There's no it reason like, for it's it. just evil in that town. Yeah. Yes. And, and as we and, know, and, from, and he's attached to that evil. As we know from Twilight and Underworld, the vampires and werewolves are you know they're well, they rise for the rise of the lichens. The lichens, yeah, they, they rise. And we also know that. Reverend Lowe likes flowers. The, the so. man who loves flowers. <laughs> I was going to say the <laughs> man who loves flowers. Interesting. Interesting. I like that. I like that. That's an official Thank Losers you. Club take, thanks to Mackenzie Gerber. So there you go. Yeah, you're welcome. Love it. Spread it. Yeah. Uh, any you're, other thoughts on this chapter? Other than Ma- uh, Mac coming into his own Mike Hamlin over here. This that's is pretty uh, good. Just yeah. don't stick around too long. That's yeah, just get out of town. <laughs> stick around. All right. Uh, Mike, what do you got? We're getting to the end. Well, uh, kind of. My next one is. Um, Probably my favorite Katie Holmes uh, movie, uh, Flowers for April, or is that a is that her pieces of April? Pieces but of April. We'll give you, yeah. we'll give you. We've been, we've been yeah. talking about flowers a lot, so yeah. that's fine. Yeah, that's true. There's only two for April, so we're, we're these are definitely some of our favorite ones. Uh, Randall, what do you got? Um, I'm gonna go with June. It's time to talk about June. Mm. Love June. Yeah, I really like this chapter. Yeah, I love it too. Um, I like it because I just I find I, I mentioned it earlier the idea of the stranger you know, or like you know the customer entering because this takes place in the diner uh with alfie i believe his name is yeah mm-hmm. alfie knopfler who has some uh old navy muscle still on him and i really just love the concept of this customer coming in who he doesn't identify but you know oh it's just this guy and then seeing in the coffee maker like the him changing in that moment is very spooky to me and yeah. you know to me it's just a really nice tight little vignette and i feel like that character is really well developed and I find it really effective and really spooky. And, uh, you know, I feel like and it's one of those where I got a really good sense of this character within like a page. A second. Yeah. yeah. And I, it's just such good writing. And I also love the image, too. That's mm-hmm. what I want to talk about is the image. And again, this goes back to how much I love rights and illustrations is 
it's so bright. Yeah. And and the cap and the countertop is that bright yellow because so many of these other images are, are, are the or the world emerging from the dark, attacking people in cars, in front of motels, in in the in the mountains and shacks. But this is a brightly lit diner. So and that, I love the yellow in this illustration. It's just mm-hmm. beautiful looking. And then the werewolf is just in, in full display well, here. It reminds me. I, of, I really love this chapter. Reminds me of the subway uh, scene from American Werewolf. Yeah, that's because good it's too. bright in there. Bright and that then that's one white. of the first times you really do see the wolf in that movie. Mm-hmm. I but I love what Randall was saying about how, how here's this guy. He knows this person. He he says he knows this person from the town. Mm-hmm. And you're also in a an area in which you would normally probably feel safe. It's very well lit. It's a public establishment. Mm-hmm. Someone could walk in any minute kind of thing. And also when you're alone in one of those kinds of establishments, it was the most frightening kind of yeah. eerie, like I isolated things you could feel is when you're alone in a, in a, a very public atmosphere that's now deserted. And you have, you know, between yourself and the door is this giant hulking beast that just slowly crawls up onto the, the counter in front of you, it's just terrifying. Well, think, it's, yeah. it's well, a think terrifying about the comfort thought. he had of that person. It was probably he saw the Reverend, and he's like, "Oh, oh yeah, I'm with the Reverend yeah. in this. You know, nothing can go wrong. Even you know, demons. Like you the know, safest the person in, that you could possibly yeah. think of in this town. You know, re- the nice Reverend Low. It is all of a sudden like the devil. <laughs> I, I felt that Wrightson kind of uh, you know gave Alfie. Uh, kind of a, a short stack i uh, thought no so too attempt. because like look the, the, the description of it is you know but alfie is neither scared nor worried not scared because he weighs 220 and most of it is still good old navy muscle and you not look at the so guy in the illustration yeah, and then in the illustration he kind of looks like well, it's also red linoleum linoleum in the writing but isn't it yellow on the interesting he looks like al from uh, from uh happy Lo- days or Al from eleven twenty two sixty three. Oh yeah, mm. I can see that. The, the the red linoleum is on the is the floor. Oh, but is the is the floor red? But it's not there though. But you want to talk about Lost the cemetery? Like I would venture into the cemetery with this chapter. I was reading this and I genuinely like I felt a little bit of you know phantom pain as I was reading it. Just the last page here, page fifty six. It leaps at Alfie and Alfie tries to dodge, but he trips over the coffee urn and goes sprawling on the red linoleum. There is another shattering roar, a flood of warm yellow breath. And then a great red pain as the creature's jaws sink into the deltoid muscles of his back and rip upward with terrifying force. Mm. Blood sprays the floor, the counter, the grill. Alfie staggers to his feet with a huge, ragged, spraying hole in his back. He is trying to scream and white moonlight, summer moonlight, floods in through the windows and dazzles his eyes. The beast leaps on him again. Moonlight is the last thing Alfie sees. I love it's that the, last It's line. also the, the tearing of the, the deltoid muscle, right? Yeah. That's just so gross. Just spraying hole is such a nasty phrase. And I and just like we we're, you were talking about color, and the color is really present in uh, this description as well because he mentions the red linoleum, the warm yellow breath, the great red pain. Yeah. So love like it. it's, it's really evocative language, and I love it. And uh, but I'll say this too: like King really has a thing for back wounds because in um in in Talisman as well. Oh really? The werewolf kills somebody in a way that like drags this claws down their back and just like rips Ugh. it. You see the bone coming out and everything. Oh. It's like so nasty, and I Ugh. love it. I, I love that King can. He's just a master, at, like not only horror but at welding details into action. You know where you can just learn even more as something 
you know, major is happening. So on page 54, he writes, Alfie wheels around and his hip knocks the coffee urn off the shelf. It hits the floor with a bang and sprays hot coffee everywhere, burning his ankles. He cries out in pain and fear. Yes, he is afraid now. His 220 pounds of good Navy muscle are forgotten now. His nephew Ray is forgotten now. His backseat coupling with Arlene McCune is forgotten now. And there is only the beast here now like some horror movie monster in a drive-in movie, a horror monster that has come right out of the screen. Mm. The detail of... You know, his nephew, his backseat coupling, like these are happier times that he's thinking about as he's being ravaged by this beast. There's this like sort of pathos that comes with it. But also you figure out, you just learn more about the person a little bit too. And it's just, he's great at that. And just, uh, Mike, you said it best. He's a master for, he's very economical <laughs> with his writing. Yes. Um, yes. You know, he's also the master of codes. Oh, just kidding. Uh, any other thoughts on Alfie's little tryst with the wolf? What do you think? Little uh, tryst. Do you think they closed uh, the place down after Alfie died? I think they probably just kept it running. It's 24 hours, I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to, to another tryst that we're going to talk about soon. Oh, maybe we'll be coming uh, up in just a second. Who knows? Yeah. All right. So for me, this is, I think, my second favorite one. Or third favorite, actually. No, second. Oh, you're right. I apologize. Anyway, long story short, it's got to be May. May. So it's only three for May. Wow. Interesting. So that's my it's way up there for me, though. Okay, so now you're going to go to Mac. We're, we're, we're getting there. What do you got, Mac? Uh, my number one is May. It's gotta be May. And we're talking about May. Um, All right, who wants to talk about May? Mike, this is how far is my least yours? favorite one. Wow. Whoa, talk yeah. about it. Yeah. I, I don't like this this whole little dream dream sequence thing. I just think it's it's well. It, I'm a dreamer me, and uh... hey, okay, John Lennon, have fun. Um, for me, I'm more of a Paul McCartney who deals in reality, uh, and uh, and I I personally uh, thought that this kind of um, goes against the actual plotting of the story, which was showing actual portraits of the town. So for me, it was just it felt very unnecessary. It, it, it again going into the John Landis film, it was odd that. There, you know, American Werewolf in London has that wonderful scene with the Nazis, with the werewolves, and just felt so unnecessary to do some sort of dream sequence also with it. It just, I don't know, for, it just felt very like almost like copycat for me. I feel like in in a lot of werewolf lore, the werewolfy is always haunted in their waking life. Uh, you know, cons- I mean, and dreams, it just anything, you know, they, like I, I felt like it fit. And I also love that construct. And it's a construct in werewolf lore that I hope continues where I love the fact that the person with the werewolf, even if they don't know it's them, that they have they start to have these these dreams. And these, here, like, here's the thing I love about it is the fact. That, first of all, I love the, the illustration of these werewolves. Illustration oh, is love great. It. Love it. And it's two, great. though, at this point, we don't know that the reverend's the werewolf. No, yeah. I know that. I don't. And so I love the switch that because we'll talk about the movie later. But again, we just would not assume that the werewolf would be having this nightmare about werewolves attacking somebody. Yeah, and I, and my, I, that's what I love about it. My thing is, knowing that it's a dream, I immediately don't care <laughs> because it didn't happen. So I'm like, I want to know what's happening in the town now. So it's, oh, okay. it's, it's for me, it's more like this feels so superfluous to like all the action that's actually been happening. Because again, but this is not. early on in the story. <laughs> yeah. We've already been having chapters about like there's one about the person outside of town. There's the, the woman that we're going to get to soon. Uh, in February, there is the you know the the stuff that ha- the, the happened with the drifter, and it, there, there's a buildup to to this that uh, that sets in motion the action around the town. So when I see the dream, I'm always I'm already like, oh, this isn't gonna happen. Who cares? I just want to get to the next chapter. But that's so. I think that's that's brilliant 
because not only it's the first time there's a real shift where it's like, okay, this is just a dream. Yeah. So you're in your back of your mind, you're taking note of that. Like, this is weird. Why are we doing this with this character? And then you're also, if you're just going, oh, it's a dream. I don't care. Next. You're also, again, dismissing the fact that this is the werewolf. You well, know? Yeah, like, he also it's a good, it's, it's a he good also discovers the body at the very end of the chapter, too. The, he discovers the body in the pews, too. Right, right. right. And, and he somehow knows it's going to be there. Well, and that's a hint of that well like, too. in hindsight, yes. Because at that point, I'm also not thinking that there's going to be any sort of mystery to this story. Like, I'm, I'm kind of just like, oh, okay. Interesting. I guess the Reverend is pretty haunted by this. Let's go on. And then, in hindsight, yeah, it has some sort of weight to it. But at the time, it's just like... I, I just the idea of like all these like kind of beasts just hanging around and all this stuff it just doesn't do anything for me like, hanging just, out <laughs> just, they're, they're actually doing they're, like, they're up to good they're actually oh, just reading uh, the bible they probably sounds are. like yeah. they moved on to King Street Re- 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 Revelations uh, is my favorite it, it I mean like, it sounds like they moved into King Street on one of the empty houses a, yeah. bunch, a bunch of beasts they probably would I'd yeah. say I like this I like this section more in the film uh, because I love the special effects yeah. and, like, and the you way, don't know it's a dream and you don't beginning. know it's a dream right. there and yeah. like uh, yeah I just really love the like I feel like it's almost like a showcase like there's a lot of cool writing in this uh section because it's cool to hear the way king describes the people turning into werewolves mm-hmm. it's like good writing it's fun but it doesn't it doesn't do much for me from a narrative standpoint i think i agree with mike in that way i do think it's a nice sense of misdirection um so we're not immediately assuming the yeah. the priest is the werewolf but you know for again for me the the point of this story the point of this book is not who is the werewolf for me? Like that was never the question that I was interested yeah. in. Yeah, and there are, there are some really weird descriptions that I that I kind of had to reread to be like, what the fuck is he talking about? Like on page forty six, his fat lips split back like bladders <laughs> to reveal teeth the size of piano keys. I play I played around with that sentence for like I was like I was like in my like thinking of like my inner like uh you know organs and you're like wait what like what the fuck is he talking like is bladders is that like a wooden thing maybe or i also love the way uh there's an exclamation <laughs> point at the end of the sentence yes like <laughs> like piano keys <laughs> like that's so rare that you see an exclamation point yeah. in narration yeah so it, i kind of love it like it's just such a bizarre choice but now i'm with you i i i don't know what he meant by bladders there like like a water bladder. Maybe he had to go to the bathroom when he was writing and just couldn't stop thinking about it. <laughs> that's my that's my that's a second best theory on this podcast. He had to urinate during this chapter writing, and there was a piano nearby. Well, he kind of there prompts was. the chat and chew also, which is kind of cool. Having yeah. a piece of pie at the chat and chew, so you're already getting like a, a preview of where you're going to go soon ah. of, the, of the town. Some some world building, as you yeah. like to call it. Uh, sue me, I like a gaggle of wolves. Uh, in the pulpits, <laughs> uh, it's it's my fave. Uh, I just love the imagery. <laughs> the imagery is awesome. Um, I think I think to if I'm going to be honest, I think also this was such a, a memorable scene from the film, and I think that I cannot unbreak that from this as well. Sure, because you saw the film before, you and I saw the, the film before before. So reading this and applying the special effects and the feeling and the, all that stuff. Now, granted, I mean, obviously they say pretty much right off the gate as a dream, and I wish they hadn't done that because I like how it's done in the film better. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I, I think that that's probably why I, I kind of always go back to that. Like you guys said, the, the most visceral thing is the is the 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 face being ripped off. Uh-huh. Like I all the, the image of all the wolves just hanging out in this church again, it, hanging out. <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah, but it's just bizarre. It's like, again, it's like, it's like how we felt with the diner. Like there's, they should not be in there. It feels weird. It feels yeah. wrong. Yeah. Like, and they're not like tearing apart the church. They're just kind of like hanging around. I'm just wor- hanging around. <laughs> I do love the church with a werewolf. <laughs> yeah. The, the, finding the gutted body at the end of it is a nice uh, button yeah. uh, to, to put on this, especially when you think about it in, in hindsight again. But 
Yeah, it's I mean, gross if you ask me. Uh, I'll, I'll leave the dreams. <laughs> I'll leave the dreams to the late Robin Williams. I'll leave the dreams to Fleetwood Mac. Speaking oh, of Fleetwood a- Mac, not you, Mac. Let's go to old Mac Rothman. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Hey, you might call me the Big Mac. Big Mac, uh, which Big is Mac what I'm Rothman. hungry for right now. Uh, Mike, my, what you got? my number one. Ooh. It's February stars, baby. Let's talk about February. Oh. February stars. Here we go. February stars. I I think this is genius. I think this is the perfect genre chapter. This is the pitch black humor chapter. Yes. Yeah, I love it. And it it's just so dark and it's so weird. It's very King. It's like quintessential Stephen King here. And I and I also just love like the juxtaposition of this woman like, I mean like the, the, the drawing is so surreal mm. she's just like totally being embraced by this monster it, it kind of goes into the Hammer films oh, a little yeah. bit you know weird sexuality yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. definitely yeah, I mean, just to clarify, it's it's pretty much about this woman named Stella Randolph who basically is very lonely and kind of interprets uh, seeing this werewolf as sort of the arrival of a suitor, like a lover. Uh, yeah, her nickname is Fatty Fatty Two by Four, which is by the so way. mean. So and, and, mean. And, and in the beginning That's, of this, where where it says this year Stella Randolph, who runs the Tarkers Mills set and so, has received twenty valentines, and it goes on to say that basically. She's writing herself these Valentines, and that's mm. so sad. Hey, but one of those Valentines is from me and Caffrey's favorite, Ace Freely of the rock group uh, Kiss. Actually, that's not true. I think both of us like uh, Paul Stanley a little bit more. But I do love how he I understand John Paul Stanley here, more when he talks. Yeah, yeah me too. Um, but I, you know, he, she gets she gets from uh, Robert Redford. You know what's great about this though, too? <laughs> is Bobby Redford. There's no theme here. Robert Redford, John Travolta, Ace Frehley are like three very different people. <laughs> They're all very handsome. That's what I want to talk about too, though. Because if John Travolta exists in this universe and in the universe of the book Christine, oh. that's interesting, right? So yeah. Yeah, that's the, the second mention. Yeah. Well, because it's yeah. it's odd, yeah. Because like by then he must have known. I mean, obviously Carrie had already well, been also, made. Well, he's a big fan of Staying Alive, which I think came out in <laughs> But also well. the Hubie Marston connection, the Salem's, Lot, the Salem's Lot connection. So we know that Christine Salem's Lot and... Uh, cycle of the werewolf all take place in the same so confusing steven well you got the, the you got the um no but you have the the train tracks that go right into the castle rock so it's That's like right. they all oh, are there oh yeah you know That's so right. and, and, and john travolta was in carrie the movie which i don't think they've mentioned really they've never mentioned, they, the they movie mentioned yet, that right? in, a, in a future book i can't remember what book it is they do mention the movie <laughs> oh my carrie. god so they, the, the phrase narrow virgin's bed is is used twice in this chapter well mm. it just it's all it's a, that's a very dep- that's a depressing image i know you know I, because yeah. it's like it's not meant for that two was used several it's times only, in my yearbook you know <laughs> um <laughs> it just i just I, I just you go ahead mike i got the i just want to read something but go ahead oh no you read it because yeah I, I, I the ending okay of this is go just for it. it's great pitch black it's uh the wolf puts its paw up on the bed on either side of her, and she can smell its breath, hot but somehow not unpleasant. Its yellow eyes stare into her. Love her. She whispers and closes her eyes. It falls upon her. Love is like dying. Love, that's a great line. Great line. But I love I, that earlier she says, love is like is like a scream. I, 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 it's, it's, it's a running thing here at the end, and I, and I, but I, I love it. Like this to me is the perfect uh, like calendar vignette yes. like what it, yeah. for the calendar because yeah. it's such a com- contained, mm-hmm. creative 
bizarre little story uh like yeah you said it's like a master of uh like master of um like uh uh what's god damn it what's the word i'm looking for like genre you said. yeah and yeah. i just kind of love that because it's so it's so weird it's so off kilter it's so unexpected and uh and also it's you mean. know yeah it's mean and it's it's but it's also kind of weirdly romantic it <laughs> like, is i mean look at this part on, on page 21 my favorite number actually uh she starts up on her elbows the coverlet falling away from her ample bosom the moonlight has been blocked out by a dark shape amorphous but clearly masculine and she mm. thinks i am dreaming and in my dreams i will let him come in my dreams i will let myself come they use the word dirty but the word is clean the word is right love would be like coming you know this feels like a cocaine chapter <laughs> yeah which is a hearty endorsement yeah, yeah <laughs> totally by the way you know make that bundle clear i'm surprised that we don't have a gall pound cake in here you know what i mean well, I, well yeah. it's all tragic I mean, there, it's, it's kind of like it's, appropriately it's, it's very written too. sad yeah i mean there's there's things and there's mentions of stuff but in the in the context of the scene it's like yeah it all works it yeah. works weirdly and yeah. it's not done in a way that's jarring like oh that doesn't feel right like like it's like no and the characters depicted as delusional you know yeah Um, i mean look at this line like her store is failing by inches and she weighs too much but now on this night of dreams with the moon a bitter blue flood through frost traced windows it seems to her that love is still a possibility love in the scent of summer as he comes it's so separate from everything else in this story. It really does go back into the original conception. I, I feel like where it was just its own thing. I think it's a testament to the month breakdown because mm-hmm. granted just about yeah. everyone has a werewolf attack, but the werewolf attacks are still so different. Yeah. That's the, of how they're portrayed. I like that That's too, what I love yeah. about this, about this book. But, um, yeah, look, Randall and I have one more go. I think Randall, I agree for us. Our yeah. first, our favorite one is April. I got April number one. Love it. Um, I'll just simply say, once April. again, it's the rights and illustration of, of a wolf chasing mm-hmm. a child holding a kite. Yes. Yeah. I, that, that image alone, mm-hmm. the writing is really strong, too, I think, in this, and terrifying. But the image alone would have sent, was cemented it for me. This was awesome. my number one until um, I, I was thinking more about the, the February part. I was back and forth on this big time. That image of just seeing, it's kind of like, Justin, we always talked about this like when we saw like It Follows or The Shining or, or anything. The idea of like something far away running towards you. Yes. It's so Awful. scary. That's what scares me in this like, yeah. chapter. That, 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 that description of it. If you have it, um, I have it. Yeah, yeah. Like read that because that that is the ultimate cemetery in this book for me. I know, I love it. Uh, so a shattering roar suddenly fills the night, and Brady Kincaid screams. He believes now. Yes, he believes now. All right, but it's too late, and his scream is lost under that snarling roar that rises in a sudden chilling glissade to a howl. The wolf is running towards him, running on two legs. Its shaggy pelt painted orange with moonfire. Its eyes glaring green lamps, and in one paw, a paw with human fingers and claws, where the nail should be is brady's vulture kite it is fluttering madly this scene actually reminds me a lot of it yeah when uh the creature from the black lagoon runs after i think ben yeah i I think it's ben and he's alone for some reason and Derry just like and it's just like that weird time it's it's a it's a time i've I've brought up a bunch on this podcast where i feel like twilight in that evening when everyone's in their houses and they're safe and their day is done and you're looking towards the night but if you're out there and outside, there's that false assumption that things are going to be okay because it's still close to day and far away from night. But it's that weird window, and to see this hulking thing running, mm-hmm. not even just not even on. There's something it's about dust, it running right? instead yeah. of it being on fours is so scary. Well, yeah, because yeah. get, what gets lost now, I feel like, in a lot of these interpretations of werewolves is that a werewolf, for most of our life, 
let's, let's just bear it down to our lifetimes. Most of historical mm-hmm. um, productions, whether it's in, through story or through film, is the werewolf walks on two legs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the werewolf is, does not become a full blown wolf. And so I do love the imagery here of it. it's pretty much a werewolf. What you would yeah. think of a werewolf walking around in this, in this kind of human form, but obviously transformed. Love and, it. And they take love that it. to the next step in the in the film, which we'll obviously talk about. Yeah. How old are King's kids at this point? Uh, I would say it's also probably 10, 11. It's maybe. interesting that both Christine and Cycle deal with kids being off on their own without anyone to help them. Hmm. And, I, and, I, and, you know, it happens with Buddy. Obviously, he's a scumbag, but, yeah. you know... Like, that's not the case here. I mean, like, you know, he's, Brady's not that bad. I mean, he's kind of, he's, he's, you know, he's a little rapscallion, but he's not a bad kid. He's not a bad kid. And there's something that's be said, I feel, of the parents not being around. There's no parental guidance. That, that kind of fear that maybe comes from with King of like his kids kind of wandering off on their own and like him, nobody being out there to help them with the evils around the world. Like, I, I just think there's, I'm trying to understand why that's that that sort of vis- that visual that setup has re- was kind well, of recurring. Well, we talk about kids being stranger danger was in the air. Yeah, well, like true. the idea that you could be you know if you don't watch your kid, it'll be scooped up and yeah. sold into child prostitution. Well, no spoilers in terms of like not watching your kid closely enough. Pet cemetery. And, and that kite? Up, that's coming up pretty soon. I too. can't remember if it's in the book or if it's just in the movie that they do the kite thing, but I want to say it's in the book also, right? There's a sequence in the book with a kite, but it's I, not that but scene. I don't think though. it's that scene. Okay, yeah. But anyway, but, but, but I, what I'm saying, I agree with what you're saying yeah. in terms of the where he is right now as a writer and and just like the, the way the way he describes Brady's death, just Brady turns to run and dry arms suddenly encircle him. He can smell something like blood and cinnamon, and he is found the next day propped against the war memorial. Headless and disemboweled, the oh. vulture kite in one stiffening hand. Like that's one sentence, and it like leaps. Uh, like we skip the entire murder, but we you, you know, know you see know. him disemboweled yeah. and headless. It's so it's crazy. But yeah. the juxtaposition right after that is great too. Yeah, when he says the kite flutters as if trying for the sky, as the search party turns away, horrified and sick. It flutters because the breeze has already come up. It flutters as if it knows this will be a good day for kites. And that so that's just another like, example of the world marches on. Yep. Yeah. Nothing. People live. People die, and then the next day, the sun rises. And that drawing of the, the little kite holder, that, yeah, you know, spindle is great. It's uh, just such a bold move, though, to like disembowel and decapitate a child. Yeah. You know, like yeah. in in this book. And yeah. I guess I'm just I never expect that that they're gonna go there. And then when they go there, and like you know, and of course, obviously, that can you know that's not something you should. I don't know. It's like I sound creepy and weird saying that. And you know, child death and horror can be done very poorly to the point where it's completely tasteless. But here, it's like done with such like a deft hand and and with such subtlety and ambiguity. Uh, but also just with like the kind of image that would haunt any child. Like well, I mean, you know. And in, in, in hindsight, now after finishing the book and going through the cycle, this chapter is essential. Yeah. Because it does add some sort of you know, fear towards, uh, with Marty when you're like, Oh yeah. God, is he, uh, is he going to kill a kid? No, they're going to kill another one. The ante? Let's kill a kid in a wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. You know, agreed. agreed. I, I get my favorite chapter of the, uh, my favorite month. Yeah. yeah. Cycle. So is that all of, we discussed them all. We did it. We did, uh, it. We did it. Before we move on, I, one thing that we didn't really talk about too much was, um, Bernie Wrightson's illustrations of each month. Mm-hmm. Oh uh, yeah. With the black and white, off. I think is gorgeous and yeah. really sets the tone of each story. I think too. It really does. I really, I, I just, uh, yeah, I love that you get those snapshots of the different towns. Because you could My, just pull it out and have it just be its own beautiful illustration. It, it doesn't necessarily tie directly into the events of the yeah. story, but the time of the story. And I think there's a big difference. There. I lo- it reminds mm-hmm. me of um, kind of the opening for Halloween 4. 
uh, a little bit where you kind of like see like the farmlands and all these like empty areas that kind of sets up Haddonfield for you again, like this place that you haven't gone to in a while. Um, And in this, it's this, I mean, there's just some great shots. Like the one before May is awesome. And it looks like like the barn. I love the empty barn. I love I love June too. Yeah, the, like, the moonlight in December, the, yeah. the powering moonlight. Yeah, there's that really creepy one in August that like is all dark and macabre looking. Uh, yeah, or even October where you see the dead skeleton, this just the skeleton like by the by the the wall. Yeah. Whatever I just love again yeah. like that cemetery, yeah. the, the, the November one, with the cemetery with the Huber the Hubert yeah. Marston, Hubert Marston. tombstone. Just that's just a fun. That's bit, a great one. You know? yeah. Yeah, December is really gorgeous too. It, yeah, it reminds me of almost like the Pinkerton cover. <laughs> a little. Bit. Oh yeah, yeah. There's no question when you look at that illustration there for December. Like, this is absolutely the last story of the of the book. Yeah, which I love too. Yeah, because it's taking you kind of outside of the town again. Almost, yeah. it's just like in a full circle. Are you guys ready to nose this shit? Let's, I am. Yeah, let's nose it. Uh, Justo, uh, why don't you get us started? Well, again, this is such a str- the rating I'm going to give. Mm-hmm. It's hard. I, again, I, when the, I'm about to give a rating, and I don't want to say it's on the same level as you know the Stand or the mm. Shining or some other novella or short story. I just love the construction of whatever the hell this is. It's been it's been referred to as a novelette, which I've never heard before. Mikey says it's called a short horror novel in some mm-hmm. cases. I mean, I read this and on the way to work and on the way home from work. Mm-hmm. It's a it's an easy read. It's I, I love the illustration. The Bernie Wrightson illustration is. Maybe some, maybe his best illustrations. I know he did stuff on the stand and creep show and whatnot, but I love the illustration. I, I, I'm going to give it four bright red Pennywise clown noses. Nice. I think it's just a very good construction. Higher. No, it's because I can't go. It's it's just a very good construction. Whatever mm-hmm. he's put together here that he has never done again. It's I mean it's, it's twelve short stories that aren't really short stories. <laughs> It's full of short stories that don't necessarily tie together, but some of them do tie together. Yeah, it's just an interesting painting of a town that Mag referred to earlier. You never go back to again, because I know. once this werewolf dies, it probably goes back to normal. Mm-hmm. This isn't one of these other shows that go on too long, where it's like, "Wait, something's happening again in this town where nothing has ever happened before." The town—it's over. The werewolf, the werewolf is dead. The cycle of the werewolf is over, and the town moves on. And I love it for that. And it's also interesting because, in the sense that you know, usually, like we were saying earlier, if a werewolf scrape someone they're gonna be the next werewolf like no like this no. is it for this werewolf You're done. like this like like it, it came out of nowhere and it's gone you know just you know and, mm-hmm. and it's history it's like life it, just like the end of the last line of the book noses Matt. uh my nose i would give this i also give this four bright red pennywise clown noses because it's just so enjoyable it's so quick the illustrations alone put yeah. it on a level which a lot of these other books just don't have uh, again, it's it, it's so short. I mean, there, there, it's, it doesn't. There's not enough. There's not enough there to 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 get to a point where you know. Sometimes we say Stephen King overwrites a bit. You know, some of these novels are a little bit too long. You could probably cut 300 pages out of this. <laughs> that's not the case with this. You know, it's just it's so concise. And again, that's why I think I'm such a big fan of his short stories. And uh, I just have a, a great time with this. So four. Nice, Mike. Yeah, Mike, I mean, Mike not to you know beat the dead horse or werewolf. Whoa. Um, I, I agree. I mean, it's very concise. It's very lean. It's effective in its narration and storytelling and the, the sense of place, the sense of time. And, and, and he really sinks his teeth into uh, the different uh, seasons. Uh, keep trying as he with did puns. before. Keep trying. Uh, but keep, keep, <laughs> keep them rolling. Uh, keep them howling. Uh, as we keep going. <laughs> you but, are tearing uh, through the pages. I'm just tearing through these pages, and uh, things are getting a little hairy, too, because I, I, I'm, I'm struggling to figure out what rating I want to give this because. 
you know, as you said, I don't want to give it too much of a high because this is its separate thing. Yeah. Do I wish that I could have seen the original conception with the, the calendar? Yes, because I always just love finding out those original projects mm-hmm. and going into the what-ifs of things. However, as a graphic novel, this does feel like something that I would have stumbled onto as a kid, and it just would have absolutely hit me the right way. Yeah, I checked it out, that version, you know. from the library. Oh, from the library. Yeah. yeah, and like this is something that I would, would have held on to the entire time before I had to bring it back to the library. And it, it just, it, it feels of a time that I just don't, that I think is past now. Yeah. I don't know what kids are looking at anymore. And I mean, for all, not to sound like porn. That, yeah, they're looking at porn. They're making slime. But like, <laughs> this, this is such a, this is such a, an artifact of an era that is so indicative of my childhood that the, I do feel like this, the, the rating I give it is like, is part of that nostalgia to it. So, I mean, I do give it four also, even though I do have some, issues like that Randall and I feel like we've been yeah. kind of pointing out with what the original intent of it was but it, 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 it takes such backseat to the idea of what this represents and I feel like if it wasn't for this book for a lot of people they might not have gotten into Stephen King and I, and I feel like it captures it captures an era that Stranger Things actually tries to capture mm-hmm. and it does it by just holding this book like I, I actually have so many good memories and so many echoes of of this era of horror and even though i didn't even read it until recently it just i just think of everything else that have that is that has spawned from this type of culture of writing and, and whatnot what's funny is what you're saying I, I echo your sentiments especially when it comes to the film which we'll talk about later in terms yeah. of the nostalgia factor yeah and just that era but yeah randall uh, Randall. i'd give it three and a half bright red pennywise clown is break the break the the chain Breaking here. the cycle. I just think, yeah, I just think I struggle with the shift in the narrative. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, I feel like it doesn't land for me as a satisfying story. It's very slight, but that said, like moment to moment, it's a very enjoyable read. And not, and I also think that obviously King wasn't trying to do anything in, too ambitious here. No. It was really about writing something that complemented the artwork and vice versa. And I think it's a really amazing pairing. Uh, this The the illustrations heighten the story so much. And I'd say a good chunk of that nose goes to Bernie. Absolutely. Because yeah. Um, yeah, totally. the illustrations to me are what keeps me coming back to the story. Yeah. Every time I talked uh, about the month, but the first thing I would say is the Bernie Writes an illustration. Yeah, I mean, yeah. those make or break it. Yeah, or, so or, no, they don't even really break it; they just make it. Yeah. You know? So, and I, but I think it's a great gateway book into King. Um, I, I mean, it's so funny. Like, my first King was The Stand, and I've talked to other people who did these really long ones because I think you kind of relish that that challenge a little bit. But I think, especially for younger readers, maybe like teenage readers, like this is a really great entryway into into King. And and if you're even younger than that, I mean, obviously, it's a little tough to. I mean, I was. That's the thing is like I. I was reading stuff with disembowelments and, and yeah. brutal violence when I was like 10 years old, you know, it's like, but I, then I clutch my pearls a little bit when I think about kids that age reading a book like this, but at the same time, it's like, no, that's what horror do. That's what people who are into horror do. They, they engage with the stuff at a young age. And I think this is a great way to do it because the, the illustrations do give it, you know, a real sense of whimsy and, uh, that kind of, you know, leavens the violence a little bit, but gives you something that really sticks in your mind. And it's, you know, it's the same way that we if you find this when you're young, then I think it resonates in the same way that people always talk about, like scary stories to tell in the dark. Like we remember the yeah. the illustrations from those books as much as we do the stories. Mm-hmm. Had this been a calendar and it was just mm-hmm. little vignettes that you would have at the bottom, almost kind of like a far side thing. Mm-hmm. Would we be talking about it on this podcast? It would be one of those. I think this would just be part of a special podcast. Like a Bono? Bono? A bonus bono. episode? A, a Bono episode? Yeah. Yeah. We'd have, we'd have bono, on to, bono on to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. 
I love it. I mean, we definitely would still be talking about it. I mean, it's interesting that it would be a calendar and a Stephen King-driven calendar if there was really going to be no writing involved. I think there would be like a paragraph. Is that what it was? Yeah, 500 words. Yeah. That, um, that's cool. I mean, yeah, we'd absolutely be talking about it. And I think it would be, again, a very singular thing that King did. We wouldn't be going on for two and a half hours. uh, We wouldn't talk about it. Yeah, it wouldn't be like a book episode, but it would be like a bonus episode. Where we would talk about other short stories. But again, you know, we came into this thinking, oh, you know, this is such a short story. We're going to be in and out. We're not going to have a lot to talk about. And it's already two hours and 30 minutes. Yeah. It's crazy. It's plenty to say. And we got more to say. And we're about to say it now. Are we heading to the movies? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. We're heading to the movies. Don't worry, Mom. I know all about cannibalism. I saw it on TV. See? It's okay. You saw it on the television. It began in May. And every month after that, whenever the moon was full, it happened again. And again. What was that? It's over there. Who at me? Nobody knew who or what was responsible. Come on. They only knew it had to be stopped. Now, from the master of mystery and suspense, Stephen King's Silver Bullet. So let's talk about the 1985 film adaptation of Cycle of the Werewolf, Silver Bullet, which was directed by uh, Daniel, is it Daniel? Dan yeah. Adius. Dan Adius, uh, dra- uh, produced by Dino De Laurentiis. Dino. And uh, screenplay by Stephen King himself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So where do we want to start with this? Like when do, well, I guess let's ask like, had you guys seen this before? Uh, what's your recollection of it? I have such vivid memories of seeing this film as a, as a kid living in Phoenix, Arizona setting of course of the opening of psycho um <laughs> the my first image it was on channel 45 i mean i remember this vividly and my mom let me watch it because it was on tv so they would edit enough of the violence uh-huh. you know what i mean and the first part i turned in on was the greenhouse section yeah where the guy gets pulled under and everything else Wait, how old were you eight or nine very yeah, young. you had to have been yeah, yeah very young eight or nine and Again, I was so young, I didn't understand the concept that a priest could possibly be bad. So the whole dream sequence, I figured he was a good guy. <laughs> and then the reveal with him in that patch. As a yeah. kid, I was like, no, no, yeah. this couldn't be real, you know? And that, as somebody who has pretty much grown up to eventually start hating jump scares, I love the hell out of that ending where he oh, jumps yeah. up at the end. That is and a great And again, this goes back scare. to Mike talking about <laughs> the nostalgia factor for me is obviously very, very high. I don't know how I would have felt about this if I just saw it for the first time a couple of years ago. But I've been watching it on and off for the last almost three decades, you know, and it's just I mentioned this. I know we, we made some fun of the whole like I miss the good old days with with the, the, the cheap fog and the obvious. Oh, yeah. The obviousness of the soundstage cut and then the, the cheap fog. 
and the practical effects versus CGI. But I'm telling you, I still, I just, for me, it's always about being able to reach out and touch something, even if it's obviously fake, as opposed to something you would see in American world from Paris, for instance, you know, and <laughs> yeah. I, and I just love the, the, the shortcuts in this film. Look, the budget was there to a point, but obviously they did not have like a, a wonderful full werewolf costume for this thing. But that's great. So the, it being in darkness and you really just see the eyes close up, maybe the paws, a lot of quick cuts with lightning. That's how you tell a, a, a werewolf movie horror story. If you don't have the budget, just that, that's that's your shortcut for it. And you don't need to see the whole thing. You, you don't. don't need to see, like, I think that's where they go wrong with a lot of these adaptations or these these movies these days. You know, again, they just they show way too much of these monsters, and it's just not scary anymore. You know, yeah. and, and, and I, I first saw this very young, and I think the thing I also love about this is when I was a kid, I would watch a lot of these horror movies, and there were a lot of them about kids dealing with these things. Mm. I think that's why I also connected with Salem's Lot, with you know, uh, with the, with Mark yeah. and the kids and uh, Monster Squad, and that's why it. Stranger Things is so. F- fucking popular is because again we have these kids that are very young dealing with these horrible tr- crazy things and you you just you know they're in peril and you believe it whereas you know when it's adults eh, who cares you, you just half the time you're going why are you doing that why are you going in there why are you going outside to investigate that noise blah blah blah, blah you know like but when it's kids they don't you don't know any better they're just inquisitive they're doing this and that and i think that you know having marty having it sent around marty and his sister uh, because again, what Stephen King did with this screenplay, I think is great. He fleshed out and did certain things that I had problems with in the book where I was like, Oh, well, well, I don't understand why they're doing this or that, especially the werewolf lore. I like that. They kind of explain a little bit more of that. It doesn't necessarily have to be this. a full moon for the werewolf to attack. Right. Or that, the fact that he's slowly, that I like how they, they kind of just posit this, but they don't really say this is what it is. But the fact that she says, uh, his sister says that, Maybe he's always a werewolf. Maybe he's always a wolf, and he just slowly becomes more and more wolfy <laughs> as the full moon gets fuller. Yeah, and that's why he retains his memory. That's why in the beginning, I mean, there's multiple death scenes where he's actually like using like the bat to kill people instead yeah. of like tearing them apart. As oh a wolf. yeah, <laughs> and and expl- it tyranny. explains those moments where you're like, well, why is he doing such human things? You're like, because he's more human right now. That's why he becomes full on wolf at the end, and he's. You know, just going wolf crazy. And that, you were really young when you first saw this too. You were probably yeah, it's probably like ten or nine too. Yeah, you're prob- pretty young, probably. But I'm curious because Mike, I know this is the first time you had watched it, right? It's the first time I'd watched it, and I was. It's kind of I'm regretted a little bit because we were so busy live tweeting. Yeah. So I didn't really get to kind of soak up the movie, uh, but I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it, it's I put it in the same you know categories like Monster Squad and these yeah. you know, these fun. Uh, ball in the 80s movies that would be great for sleepovers sleepover, sleepover film oh yeah totally you know and and it's I, I love the cast I think it's a really inspired cast yeah love you know, the cast you, get, you talk about a bunch of great character performers oh absolutely unbelievable like, uh, like my my, uh, my favorite Bill Smirchovich who uh, who played Andy Fairton uh, he appeared in like Miami Vice he was in like the X-Files uh, he appeared in Manhunter. It's just yeah, a lot of really great uh, he was veteran. Corky's father and life goes on <laughs> oh was he really yeah yeah well He's just seeing him and then seeing like, you know, Terry O'Quinn and just a lot of character actors that I, I recognize. Lou from Major League. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Lawrence yep. Tierney. You know, Elaine's Lawrence father, Tierney, which is yeah. crazy. It was, just, it was a fun, pulpy genre film. You're in yeah. 90 minutes, you're done. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I mean, I, I saw it for the first time last night and uh, I love 
the practical effects the the kills i think are really creative mm -hmm, they're yeah. funny you yeah, know while they're yeah. also kind of horrifying like then some of it's really brutal like when the guy gets like impaled when he goes through the floor you know on the wood yeah. beam is like a really great effect and something that made me kind of shiver but i also love in the woods with the fog like yeah. it's so cheesy but yeah. in the best possible way and then like yeah. they're getting dragged under which is such a great effect the bat like the the wolf's arm coming up with the bat and beating them and it's really bloody at the same time like mm -hmm. it really 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 splashes on the gore in ways that aren't alienating and are just really fun and like and the cast is so likable throughout yeah like Busey and this this is pre-motorcycle accident so this is where Busey was just a uh like an eccentric character actor yes. rather than like an unhinged yeah, you know I, I feel uncomfortable watching he's him a, on he's screen. a lovable lug in this he's movie. so good like yeah. and he's he's got like a really like firecracker kind of energy no pun intended but like he's got like a really like live wire kind of quality to him that really makes me because i haven't seen a ton of you know like pre-accident uh bc movies i've seen a few but it's like to see that kind of energy that he exuded so wait what happened with the motorcycle accident? he had really like his he had a really, really bad motorcycle accident, and only a few years after this movie came out. I'm yeah, it was in the eighties. Because like eighty-seven was *Lethal Weapon*. He yeah. was like ripped in that movie. I think it, it was, was after, after that. that. Yeah, so eighty-nine, I think. Yeah, or he, 89 or 90. He just was, it's like the re, the reason he's the way he is now is because of that. Like oh, he really? has legitimate brain damage. Oh, like, wow. yeah. Man. And that's I why mean, he was still working after it happened. Yeah. He, obviously he still works today, but it's just to build, it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. Because his performance in uh, Black Sheep is, there's a line in, uh, in a Silver Bullet that's very similar to kind of how he addresses down david spade i can't remember what the line is but oh i, I can light like, oh, a small grease fire in your mother's panties yeah yeah oh, right exactly uh, uh I, I i love him and i yeah i feel like you know he played crazy characters well after no. that but it was he could never really be sort of the leading uh not leading man but he couldn't play the straight roles well, like it's, it's interesting because like i i feel like the 80s is such a a great time period of having like kids you know, take ownership of like the actions and like leading the way. And then also having an adult that kind of follows behind, you know, like granted like Josh Brolin and Goonies is an older brother. But he and so he's not, so but he's much so older, much older, you know? And the same thing with like Gary Busey having like this, this believable adult that's going to like, you know, hang out and like believe, you know, mm -hmm. like be able to say like, yeah, you know, all right, this, there's something to this, what this kid's saying. And I'm, I'm going to go with it and I'm going to help out. And I love that relationship in this movie. And, and it's very, it's, you know, it's obviously more ex expanded upon than what we get in the in the book. Yeah, but even so, it doesn't feel like such a departure from the book No, I, I just think he did a good job of, of expanding it for a feature film. Yeah. Yes. And he, yeah. he beefed up certain things from the story. I, I think that what they did with the his sister and this Janie yeah. is total switch from the book. Because in the book, you just hear every once in a while like, arguing with him. You get everything But if for God's sake, she, like, you know, narrates the movie, you know? Yeah. Which and is, it's, I it's, think, kind of a weird choice. Yeah. I don't, I don't, well, I, it was like not necessary. Beginning, but then it drops off for like an hour. Yeah, yeah right? that's the weird. And then thing. it comes back. The, and the, like, Wait, what? the narration's totally unnecessary, yeah. and you don't need it. But they they do boost her character. I do like the boosting of her character, yeah. and I actually do like how she discovers the werewolf. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I do like that reveal too. I, I do wish the film captured some of the more patient elements of the novel. Where I wish we would have gotten like a you know a few more establishing sh shots. Like the pacing might have been down, you know, settled down yeah. just a little bit, so you can kind of just enjoy these sections of the town it starts that way in the movie a little bit especially when we follow lou brown i bet you there's um, like a two-hour version though mike and then dino yeah. got the cut and just started like with his cigar like burning yeah, frames right. like, <laughs> like, ah, it, it, it taking this frame out cut steven it. it is interesting because <laughs> there, <laughs> there are time jumps in the movie that you don't realize if you don't key in on yeah. certain things like you know fourth of july is canceled and then the next scene you think they're having like a fourth of july barbecue but red says 
you're gonna have Fourth of July in September. Yeah, so that jumped was, to September that was already. Jarring to me. Yeah. And you're like, oh, well, I guess it's September now. And so you they move away from the the calendar construct of the. It book. Like takes place over. Well, it takes place five, from four or five months. It right? takes place from right. spring, the yeah. start of spring, to the end of Halloween. Whereas obviously we get January to January yeah. in this one. Right. So. I wonder if this also had to do with wherever they because they're filmed in North Carolina. Yeah. Which is crazy because so many people, so many actors are from Canada. Like Megan Follows is from Canada. Yeah. Corey Hayman is from Canada. I figure they, they filmed it there. But obviously, you can't depend on snow in North Carolina. And so I wonder if they just said, we, we got to knock this thing out in a few months. We yeah. cannot, you know. It, it would have been cool to have a. That's one thing that's missing in, in it is, snow. is snow, period. Yeah. And there's so the many seasons. snowy sequences in the, in the book. But but again, in terms of character development and things, I really love like or just just that moment when when Gary Busey's character is sending Marty off to bed and he's they're joking, 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 and then as soon as he's out of shot out of sight, his face just goes so serious. He's yeah. so sad. Yeah. And there's that moment where he's fighting with the mother and like you know he's a very heightened, obviously like we were saying, eccentric kind of fire yeah. spark, like, like actor. But he man, those moments that he really sells those moments and and. Uh, yeah, I think he does a great job in this, and, and um, you believe the relationship between the two of them. We've even spoken about, it, but again, I thought Corey Haim was such a good child actor. Yeah, that he was scene great. when yeah. when the Reverend is approaching him in the uh, the bridge, or whatever, yeah. and he Ugh. starts screaming like you just I, you believe it. That's and that's a thing. great addition to that's not in the book. That's not the book. Either, that yeah. is a great addition to Love uh, Everett McGill the, as well. The and then there Twin we go, Pete's. McGill. Oh, yeah. That's my that was my first uh, ex- my first McGill experience. Which yeah. um, I say uh, awesome. fellow loser Mel thought was really hot. In well, the movie. Yeah. she didn't know anything going into it either. So well, that's like, oh, what's funny was when she sent that because I saw yeah. I, I think I saw it on a text thread or maybe on Twitter, but I was like laughing because I he's never the kind of actor I ever thought was hot. Like, you know, like he's he's never that the like the like like I remember a hunk. I remember in Twin Peaks being like, what? How's he getting Norma? Like Big Ed's kind of kind of weird looking, but like what I love though is when I watched it, I totally get it, and I I think I texted you guys. I'm like, there's just something weird and uncanny about young Everett McGill. Like he never struck me because I know him from Twin Peaks and uh, and uh, some you know and like Doom. Under Siege too, and yeah, just stuff like that. And so for me, it's like uh, a young Everett McGill seems very strange. I always know know have known him as like an older man. Yeah, yeah. That, that, the that, next time I saw him was Under Siege too. He's got full gray hair. Yeah, you know? exactly. And that voice is like just. So deep and yeah. boomy, you know. What I mean, he command. He's a commanding presence. So as the, as, the, as the Reverend, it, it's like perfect cast. Well, that, casting. That scene on the bridge is great. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. so yeah. goddamn and, and creepy. And he starts screaming. It's just here, brutal. It's interesting to note that, like, uh, looking here on um on, on Wiki. So Wikipedia.com is Wikipedia. Wiki. Wikipedia.org actually. Oh. Uh, Gary Busey really like connected to Uncle Red, but apparently ad libbed a lot of his lines, oh. and they. You know, he read a lot of them scripted, but King and uh, and Adius like the ad libs better. Well, I, I, you go with the guy's instinct. I mean, he, yeah. he won Best Actor before too, or it was yeah. nominated for Best Actor. Yeah, that's at least. true. Um, I, I want to talk about this a little bit. I think I talked about it in the live tweeting, but in this, you know, the character's Uncle Red, which is a different name from the from the story. Mm-hmm. He was al- who's an alcoholic too. Yeah, and I, I I always felt like this was a Stephen King stand-in in a lot of ways, just the way he kind of looks and the the body build. And I don't know. I, I just felt felt that the uh, the character of Uncle Red was a Stephen King stand-in, watching the movie at least. I don't know if anybody else got that dealing with alcoholism, alcoholism. and then yeah. dealing with kids because his kids were around that age at the same time. And I don't know. It's hard. It's hard for me to ever talk about <laughs> presuming what somebody's going through because somebody could be a highly functioning alcoholic and somebody is just somebody's a shut-in alcoholic. And it's just it's. I don't want to ever assume what somebody's going through when they're going through something like that. But that's just my was my takeaway from it. 
watching it as an adult and knowing what King was going through at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, absolutely. Here's some what ifs, though. Apparently, Don Coscarelli was supposed to do this movie. Ooh. I think... And he had to leave because, well, he resigned because like there was this, there's a huge debate about the werewolves. Wow. I mean, it makes sense when you think about the, the small town scenes. When you think yeah. about all the small town scenes in Phantasm, yeah, that's you true. can kind of, I mean, I can I believe it. I just didn't know that at all. Yeah, interesting. Because I don't think Dan Addis ever directed anything ever again, which is wild. Well, no, he's done a he did a lot of TV. Stuff. T- I mean, movies, I mean, yeah. feature films. Yeah, I mean, he no, no, I mean, no he's shots, done TV literally directors. every TV film that's that's essential to the, the history of television. I mean, he did Miami Vice. He did 90210. He did The Sopranos. He did The Wire. He so did the Six guy got Under. some work after that. Oh, he's he's done. <laughs> he's, he's doing fine. He did Entourage. <laughs> he, did he did Lost. I mean, he's literally been involved it in every like major television show of the past 30, uh, Keith Gordon is years. the new Dan Addis because Keith Gordon has also directed every big show of the last decade or so. Hey, he's done mm-hmm. It's Always a Sunny in Philadelphia, too. Oh, oh nice. Wow. He did. Oh, my God. Look, look, at the, look at this insane list. I have to read these because this is wild. Huh. So he, start, he did Miami Vice before he did Silver Bullet, which is probably why um, he had uh, Bill Smirchevich on there because he was a part of uh, Vice also. Right. He did Silver Bullet. Then he did... Um, yeah, he never did do another film. It, it, it's all been... Oh, my God, this is insane. So he did 21 Jump Street. He did Beauty and the Beast. He did Northern Exposure, Beverly Hills 90210, Melrose Place, Picket Fences, Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman, Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., Lois and Clark, Party of Five. Uh, I guess he did The Client 1995 TV series. Uh, I actually watched that. Oh, really? Yeah. He did The oh, Practice. He did Early Edition. Buffy. He did Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Ally McBeal, Sopranos, uh, Six Feet Under, Alias, The Wire, CSI Miami. The Wire. Just about yeah, every he did The Wire. It literally sounds like you're show. just listing all the most influential I know, shows. Yeah. I know. And it, it's Entourage, true, though. It's on here. It yeah. keeps going. Entourage Lost, uh, House, starring uh, Mel's favorite Hugh Laurie, uh, Deadwood. He did It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. You know, cut to cut to him like last week going, oh, Lucifer's cover, I'm going to cover this. He's just on Wiki entering all this stuff. Yeah, right. <laughs> it, it's crazy. I mean, Big Love Damages, Heroes, Friday Night Lights. Treme, Homeland, Jeez. True Blood, The Killing, The Walking Dead, The Americans, and Resurrection is his last one that he did. Wow. wow. I mean, that is, that might is be the most impressive television resume of and all time. And it's all because of Silver Bullet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's right. Thank you. Thanks, Dino. You know. uh, is there uh, any other thoughts on the film? Uh, shout out, once again, to the OG for me, Anna Green Gables, Megan Follows. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> oh, it follows. Uh, Justin up, follows watching her. those, and I... I used to love her. It was like one of my first childhood crushes. Aw. Well, I mean, Very uh, I, I got to give a shout out to the old Terry O'Quinn, who I love in this first movie. Thing I, again, probably, there were so many firsts. That was probably first the first thing I ever thing saw, him. I ever saw yeah. him in was this. And I, and it, it, you know, I was so happy to see, it's probably one of the only good guy roles he played back in the day. Well, stepfather. Too. Oh yeah. Stepfather's so good in that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, it depends on which house he's in, I guess. Right. Well, hey, the Rocketeer. <laughs> Come on now. I mean, Oh, it, the Rocketeer. I think there's something to be said about King adapting his own you know, yeah, books for you know for the for the screen. You know, when he's not directing them like Maximum Overdrive, I think a lot of them turn out really well. Sleepwalkers? I mean, no, not Sleepwalkers. Maybe. But <laughs> How about eighties? Well, Sleepwalkers <laughs> wasn't based on a story, though, was it? No, no he just made it original. Straight, straight out, yeah. So I, I mean, that cemetery like, he wrote. Cemetery that he wrote, which yeah. is I, I still think that's one of the the better adaptations. Cat's Eye is fun. Cat's Eye is a blast. Yeah. Um, did he write the screenplay for the stand? Didn't he? Right? The hundred something pages? Uh, I think he did. Yeah. yeah. Or the hundred something. No, it's That's like a, a four hundred page yeah. script. It's a treatment. Um, hundred page so, treatment. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I think, I, I kind of wish that he would go back and do it again. I think he did sell though. He did a good marriage. Yeah, he did a good marriage. That was not good. Oh, a good That's marriage. Good. Awful. But you know, Love the story. Also, it's funny because even, even wa- watching this movie, 
even though it's shot like in in the eighties, it feels it, a lot of the dialogue or just the names that are being called. It's it's so much Actually, from his childhood. It's set in it's set in nineteen seventy six. It is. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. It started off interesting. Yeah. Well, that was what we were joking around on the um, on the live tweet. Was just like all these like sort of weird fashion. Uh, and oh, it's also with Christine right. and with Christine we were talking about that too where like it's clearly the 80s but, but it's still it's set in the 70s yeah. yeah it's it's a little odd it's but like it's like somewhere else in the world you could tell like it, it feels like Fly on the Navigator is taking place like you know it's just yeah. like that, that, <laughs> that specific era of movies that I don't know. It's just well, when you it, got the, it is a big, it's a big his, like fancy thing. ass motorized wheelchair, like oh the silver bullet, baby. Yeah, it's oh, like yeah, I man. love that addition too. I, I mean, love yeah, using that the stuff, name. that stuff's really fun. That gives yeah. it sort of the spiel, like kind of a, a bit of a Spielbergian quality. Oh, definitely. And, he, and, definitely. And, and King definitely has some fun with like shifting things around. I mean, he he takes Alfie Knopfler and just makes it into a bar instead of a diner. Yeah, you know, owner of the bar. Um, Lord Steering. Th- there's is no crazy. There's no Drifter or Clyde Corliss, no. which those are fine to omit. Yeah, you don't because it's definitely much even more focused on Marty than the, yeah. than the story was. He yeah. did he did name the bar Owen's Bar Aww. as a homage to his son, so that's cute. That's I nice. love that's that cute. that sequence where I talked about earlier in the book that that after the Fourth of July and and uh, when uh, Jane is Janie Janie yeah. starts going around uh, to see who has the one eye, and you can tell everyone's kind of like locked their doors. Everyone's kind of oh, off yeah, the streets, a, and, and well, I also I, like how I love that they're, they're kind of they'll look in with like their right eye. And then they'll they'll move over a little bit. Yeah, so you see they've got to. It's yeah. just fun reveals. It's yeah. so and fun. Nah, I don't know. It's just a fun horror movie. I, there's nothing. It, look, it's not The Exorcist. You know what I'm saying? But it's just it's a good time. <laughs> it's yeah. a great sleepover movie. Yes, great sleepover yeah. movie. Uh, we want to nose this thing. Let's nose, nose it. it. Yeah. Justo. I mean, I'm going to give it a, a three. Right, right. Pennywise clown nose is out of five. Three, three. Okay. So oh. fu- it's a fun. It's nothing amazing. I don't think it was ever going to be anything amazing. It's just a. I recommend it. You know, I take it back. I'm actually going to take it back. I give it three and a half for every Pennywise Clown Noses because I still enjoy it now as much as I did back then. Again, so much of this is tied into my experience from 30 years ago. Yeah. I don't know if you're in your 20s or 30s and you're going to enjoy it now. I don't. But personally, it's still a great time and it just takes me back. Well, that's fine. To an era, too. I'll take, you could keep your three and a half and I'll keep your three because I'm giving it three also. Yeah. I think it's a, you know, a fun spirited little horror film. Agreed. uh, That would be uh, a great VHS uh, edition. If we uh, only had VHS, if we only still had VHS like, tapes. When you think about like Graveyard Shift or Mangler, or, like some of the really shitty King it's ones, so much better than this those. This is so much good better God. than those. Like, yeah, I think sometimes it might get lumped in with those, which is too bad because yeah. it's it's really quite good. I, my my biggest complaint is is it's the the werewolf. Like I, I don't think they really nailed the design. As yeah, well. I know, can agree with that. I mean, I think some of the close ups and stuff work, but it really would have been good to have like a you know have that shot. Of, yeah. you know, like in the story, like with Brady, like it running out of the woods towards him is like a. Yeah, it, I think that's a victim of its time. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it would be tough to. If do it were that. today, it would have been CGI and that's like the, shit, that's, so. that's the thing. That's, Stan, Stan yeah. Winston was just too busy, I guess. Yeah, what was he doing? <laughs> the keep or something like that? <laughs> the keep. I um I, I I'm gonna give it. I'm with Justin. I give it three and a half, and and that maybe that's me growing up with this film. You know, it's 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 a lot of things like like when people as adults see the Goonies and they don't like it at all, and I totally understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Because it is a movie you you should be watching when you're a kid, and then you know, obviously you have a fondness of it, and I feel like the same thing with this. I think if I saw this as an adult now. Yeah, it, I wouldn't have so much of a connection. But when I was a kid, I was the age of the of the of Marty. You know, when I saw this, this kid, for the yeah. first time, 
And, you know, it, it's just, it's so exciting to think next door there could be a monster. And I remember walking around my old neighborhood thinking there was a, there was this one house that was seem, seemingly empty that we, I always thought there was a vampire living there. And, mm. you know, I just, I, I just love that era and I love feeling like that. And this brings me right back and it's so fun. I love all the performances. Everett McGill, Terry Wickwan. Uh, and and if you put Boring. this, if, 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 you, if, you, if you're having a sleepover with your friends and you're this age, you get this. You get Lost Boys, you know, like yeah. and Monster Squad. Bam, yeah. you, yes. you know, I think that's a great. It's just a really fun movie. So three and a half, bright red, Pennywise clown noses. I'm gonna give it three, and I think maybe the, those half noses are kind of, you know, that's what you guys get from nostalgia. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I we, agree. we just saw it, and uh, it's yeah, it's great though. I mean, like it's just scary enough, just funny enough good weird performances and you know just a fun little like tag at the end like i love that ending i think it's so. surprising too that, yeah. that this is any good because there's even there are even better move better books that have had worse adaptations mm-hmm. which is oh yeah. absolutely i don't know but it's it's also great in that sense is that cycle of werewolf is it's kind of like the an outline yeah so oh, you're yeah. so you're able to really go, that's why i think the screenplay works so well because yeah. you're able to go in and you're elaborating and you're like oh well condensing. i'm not hel- i'm not beholden to anything really because i didn't really get to g- explore any of this yeah. it's, the same discussion, it's the same discussion we had about shawshank where there was just so much there yep. and king or and darabont was able to expand a bunch, yeah. upon yeah. a bunch yeah. of characters in, in moments yeah so well cool I think that wraps things up for cycle Silver over. Bullet and the Cycle of the Werewolf. The cycle has finished. I think you could have read Cycle of the Werewolf and watched Silver Bullet before this episode's over. <laughs> yeah, so we really true. went all out. That's I don't true. want to hear anybody saying we didn't go it's all true. out. It's uh, true. So we'll be back next week with another Needful Tweets. There's plenty of news to discuss, including the revelation that Mike Flanagan will be directing uh, Dr. Sleep, the sequel to The Shining. Mm-hmm. We all have a lot of thoughts on that. A lot of uh, thoughts. A lot of thoughts. Um, and... And then after that, what's the next book? Oh, we're going to the we're cemetery. going to the cemetery. We're going As to Pet in. Cemetery. So get reading on that one because that's going to be a can't miss episode. Uh, definitely one of our favorites here at the Losers Club. So thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, if you have a moment, please leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, leave us a review on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We post a lot. We do live tweets of movies these days. We do a lot of fun stuff on there. We like to engage with you guys. Uh, I noticed today a lot of people are engaging on Goodreads now. Oh, there's nice. Some, there's a bunch of message board and posting going on there. And so, also, again, we have our upcoming book schedule if you ever want to know what's coming up. So. Yeah, so hop on Goodreads. Uh, definitely do that. I still can't make heads or tails of that goddamn website. <laughs> but uh, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll show you on my phone. It'll be <laughs> two seconds. I'm very old uh, when it comes to technology as my wife will tell you uh but yeah so thank you guys for listening we really appreciate it we love doing this we love reading cycle of the werewolf and we just we just we just love being here for you guys like and if you want to just open up to us if you just want to like share what you're struggling with in life please put like, attention randall oh boy uh, yeah <laughs> randall's got an eye patch on here uh, he, he wants yeah, to hear your confessions want to hear your confessions <laughs> so uh i have for... i have one little shout out to oh, give one and, little uh, shout this out is, uh, to uh tim Vargulish for uh, giving us his uh, his digital movie code for it, so I can watch it. Sometime. Oh, nice! <laughs> Thanks, Finally. Tim. What a <laughs> nice, nice man. He's a nice guy. Uh, we appreciate it, and we appreciate you. And long days and pleasant nights.
Consequence Podcast Network.